0: Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I
1: already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello. Welcome back to a, another edition here on the full ride on the Chase Thomas podcast. Where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, also here at this time every single week. Matt. Good evening, sir. How are you doing?
0: Good evening, sir. It is uh, it is good to be back. We are ever so close to college football. I can taste How many it.
1: days in fact?
0: We are there's some debated topics here, you know, cuz obviously we got week 0 coming up. You're not doing but, the Penn State um, thing.
1: Uh, that's where I thought that was going. It was a very strong we are and I thought you were doing a Penn State bit.
0: No. <laughs> you know that's no. their sort of thing. They go we, we, are. we are. Like who mm. that's like uh trademarking the, you know, mm. like come on. On, well, I don't know the is, Ohio State University is pretty cool. Is it we are SC? Is not that their thing too? It's a good question. I don't know. Or the fight on is kind of their thing. fight on is more what I think about. What we are we is are definitely Penn State. State. I've definitely heard. Um, also, there's we are Fox Sports. That's what I was thinking. We are praise well, baseball. I hear that. But anywho, um, we are nine days until the real week one Saturday college football season begins mm. obviously there there's we're gonna be blessed with some games before then but uh we are nine days away so the greatest number nine of all time did you have a uh, a name or two that jumped out to you
1: number nine's not a big one i had a bunch of number eights bunch but, of number eights not I, a lot of
0: number the nine. First one i thought it was peter warwick Mm. Uh, peter work uh I, I think that's like me being like nine ten years old like some of my first memories really like watching college football and he was just a superstar obviously steve mcnair yeah Alcorn state was big time uh mario williams is another one i remember number nine but uh even though kenneth he's great, murray
1: was he number nine kenneth murray
0: um i'm not even bryce young's what, number nine isn't he bryce young is number nine but okay all that comes short to really just the one season in 2019 of Joe Burrow. Mm. That's the best number nine, the best individual season, basically in the history of college football. So Joe Burrow, like I've never seen, we've never seen a jump from year one to year two of a starter ever. Like, like Joe Burrow, like and everyone, now everyone wants to, maybe we learned after from 2019 to 2020, like, oh, Who's going to be the next Joe Burrow? Who's going to make that jump? Like nobody, because it's absurd the jump he made. To throw like 40, I think 44 more touchdown passes than he did the year before, just 60 touchdowns, six picks. Joe Burrow was was insane. So yeah, Joe Burrow, number nine, nine days till college football.
1: Huge loss for Trevor Lawrence on that front too. We talked about that, I think, last week on the pod where it's like Joe Burrow's random resurgence in Baton Rouge and part a big reason why... Uh,
0: but 2019, if it's not Joe Burrow, it's probably Justin Fields, right? Did mm-hmm. Fields was actually I think Jalen Hurts was the runner up uh, at Oklahoma, mm. and then I think Fields finished third. So as good as Lawrence was, he just he's just a really good. He's I mean he's a great college player, but. Mm. He, like, didn't have those individual, like, Heisman seasons. He was just... Because
1: he wasn't up and down. It wasn't, like, one of those where he progressed. He didn't have the trajectory where, like, he was... But, I mean, even Johnny I feel like Manziel... he was a
0: finished product, yeah, when he, like, yeah. walked on campus. It's not, like, a knock on him. He's just... He's already six six five whatever... Just an NFL prototype quarterback.
1: Well, you know how they developed down there in uh, Cartersville, Georgia. The Purple Hurricanes is a tradition unlike any other. That's what That's they do. sure
0: true. They're a power 3A, I think. They're a, they're a powerhouse for sure. Uh, good uniforms. Good history there. Quality yeah. uniforms. I definitely respect the unis. Yeah, they got canes
1: on the gold helmets. Purple no, and gold. Cool. Yeah, yeah,
0: they're solid. I think it's purple and gold, isn't it? Yeah, that's
1: what I said. Yeah, purple and gold. Yeah. Um, well, don't forget, folks, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, where we get your podcasts. Uh, just make sure you're subscribed every single day. New content on this very feed. You can also watch us on youtube.com slash chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe. All kinds of great video content as we continue growing out the YouTube page. Follow Matt at Matt underscore dev underscore green. Follow myself at chase double underscore Thomas. You can also email this very program at chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. I'd uh, love to hear from you guys. Mailbag stuff, questions in the college football realm. Shoot them over. ChaseThomasPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Matt Green, where are we going first? Are we starting with Nick Saban, who signed an extension to make him the high continue to basically make him the highest paid coach in college football, and the man will be coaching at least until twenty thirty. And it's funny because I don't know if you caught him on uh Dan Patrick show last week, but Dan asked him about like whether or not he would retire or was thinking about retirement. And it was just the answer that Nick gave. It was quite clear that that man has no interest in life without roaming the sidelines where it's like, I mean, this is what I like to do. I'm good at it. And as long as I'm good at doing this thing that I very much enjoy, why would I stop until they tell me I have to stop? So On one hand, good for him, man. That's what we all want in life is to find that thing that we just love doing and we just are really good at it and we just keep going until one day they just force us out. But, man, thinking about seven more years at the minimum is uh, a lot. But good for him, right?
0: Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and this doesn't even really guarantee that he's going to be around for seven more years, right? I mean, it's just like he's just going to get paid because the last thing you want to do is – look like a lame duck coach and like, Oh, you know, who knows how much time he's got left or whatever. Like I'm under contract for eight years. You don't worry about me, you know, but he obviously could hang it up at any time. If you know, health became an issue or whatever. But I mean, you look at the guy like Mac Brown Mm. turns 71 or 70, whatever. They're the same age. They're either 70 Mm. or 71. Mac Brown's turning 71. Like I think next week, Nick Saban turns 71 in like October mac brown looks 71 (laughs) like he looked like bobby bowden looked at 71 and bobby bowden that was the first person i looked when i heard about this contract he retired at 80 Mm. and like he was almost kind of pushed out too at 80 you know like he probably would have coached a little longer if he wanted to but he was also felt old for a while at Mm. 80 you know like nick saban doesn't even seem old yet like yeah, like, he is 70, about to be 71 years old, but he, like, there's no reason to think he's going to be hanging up anytime soon. Like, he's he's the GOAT, and he just, he doesn't really have to work as hard as other guys do at this point. Like, people, like, the transfer portal, like, I'm convinced that, like, they don't even reach out to people in the transfer portal. Like, they reach out to Alabama when they're in the portal, you know? Like, the, he they they pick and choose who they want for the most part, so... Yeah, well, it I is mean, a I,
1: misnomer in the portal stuff is that when you talk to coaches and people in the know, is that like, there's this idea that the tampering stuff where it's like the the coaches and the programs are the ones going after kids. It's very much the other way around where kids are put in the, in the portal and calling other coaches and talking to other players and being like, hey, can I come over or what do you think about me going over there like It's very much more the players
0: are Alabama's uh, the gold standard, right? You're like, well, you guys have a weakness at cornerback. Like, you know, I could come in and play cornerback Mm -hmm. for you for a year. They're like, yeah, let's do it. Like their wide receiver recruiting is honestly like as good as it's been. It's they've needed to hit up the portal a lot recently, but it's like they're Alabama. So there's a chance, you know, with their offense, with their quarterback play that they just continue to not miss a beat because, you know, they can access the portal that well.
1: Yeah. Um, but you know, this leads us to something you had uh from Josh Pate from the program, Leg Kicks Josh Pate, um, that had a graphic that uh you want to touch on tonight.
0: I did. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I mean, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, so so the premise of this graphic from Josh Pate, obviously we know how great Nick Saban is, but he said Nick Saban has destroyed lives. And then this graphic titled broken by Bama. And it mentioned the 31 coaches that have been fired or resigned since Nick Saban uh, was hired at Alabama. And while it's a trivial like fact, it's cool. Like, wow, look at how much, how many coaching changes there's been since Alabama's had one guy. Like that's it's, it's an insane fact, but The idea that Alabama is the reason that 31 of these coaches, that Nick Saban is the reason that 31 of these coaches lost their job, it's just like, it's ridiculous. Like, Joker Phillips at Kentucky, is is Nick Saban the reason he got fired? You know what I mean? Like, I going through these 31 coaches, I found about, what did I come up with? I think about four. That actually got fired because of Nick Saban. Do you care to take a stab at the four that you think got fired because of Nick Saban? Or I can just go ahead and tell you. Because
1: of Nick Saban. Yes. Um, let me thank here.
0: Because of Nick Saban. Um I'm just gonna hit you with it. Kevin Sumlin? He was a borderline one. okay. I, but he's also going eight and five every year. Like Kevin Sumlin, yeah, like it's not helping you with Alabama in the East every year. You got them one time, but if they're going 10 and two every year and losing the Al and losing to Alabama and one other game, like Kevin is definitely in there. Mark Rick is a hundred percent. Yeah. One of the coaches that got fired because of Nick Saban. He's got at um, least one or one or two more sec titles probably without, without Nick Saban in there. Uh, I'm going to go probably a national title. It's probably true. Uh, Jim McElwain or will Muschamp, one of those two? Um, no, I didn't think he, cause McElwain really got fired because people didn't like him and he, yeah. and he lied about getting death threats. Right. It made the Florida fan base look bad. AD's Did like, hold on. That? Yeah. And he said he got death threats and everything was going so bad. And I think I, think, oh, said, I Jeremy that. Foley at the time. Yeah. He's just like, well, hold on. Who's been giving you death threats? We need to see this. He's like, ah, don't know where <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't have any memory <laughs> because Florida's wow. like, yeah,
0: you're making our fan base look like crazy people. If you're, if we're going to send death threats to our head coach, we need to know about this. And so I think he was just like, I don't know people are were saying bad things. It's not important. Well, I know like Brian
1: Kelly left Notre Dame basically because he was like, I can't beat Bama with Notre Dame players. So I'm going to LSU. That's um, a good one. I think Brian but, Kelly, um, I think he is a, he is staying at Notre Dame if, Nick Saban is not the head coach at Alabama for this long. I think he's he's fine. He's Mike going Kareem. right into
0: the belly of the beast. It's a yeah. bold strategy. Maybe Lincoln Riley was afraid of going to the SEC too and uh jump ship to to the Pac-12 or to, I guess the Big Ten uh USC. Which is again, like now looking back,
1: a horrific move from him. Because look, I get the money and all of that, but like USC's never winning the Big Ten. Ever. They oh, are never winning They USC in the cold, those SoCal games, like them playing in Michigan and at Penn State late in one of these seasons, like it's just it's not going to happen. We're not, it's like the yeah, Miami well, Dolphins going into New England and Buffalo late. It's just no,
0: this is not a thing. They're they that could that could be, but okay. we had, time USC will tell. They're exactly going to recruit they're zero recruit well. Big Tens. The hey, there's titles. some cold games up there in Oregon State and Washington. All right, yeah, um, but the other ones that I think you could make the argument were fired or resigned or whatever because of nick saban less miles like interesting lsu's just churn along probably wins a couple more national championships without without alabama nick saban urban meyer hard Hmm. to say i was gonna say but he resigned yeah he won i can't throw urban in that list he wasn't
1: scared of saban
0: but he did lose to saban that alabama in 09 and then had the nervous breakdown or whatever after losing the SEC championship and then had the 2010, I don't know something about the sustained success of Alabama Mm. and Alabama didn't necessarily have a great 2010 season either. So Mm -hmm. that's a borderline one, even that one. So I'm giving them four and you're arguing with one of the four. So we got 31 guys on this graphic. (laughs) Um, And then Tommy Tuberville, I think that's a, he's just a good solid coach for years and it's like Saban just comes in year two is built a powerhouse. I think Tuberville lasted to 08. I want to say 08 was because mm. I think 09, I think Chizik's second year was when they won the national championship. But like guys like that, like Gene Chizik is on this list. And it's like, mm. is Gene Chizik getting fired because he because Nick Saban or because he went like three and nine two years after winning the national championship? I
1: mean, I just think, It's less about the coaches for me that got fired because of Nick Saban. It's just more about, like, he ruins so many fan bases' expectations. He ruins so many fan bases' just, like, how they view reality and where their program is and what success is. And, like, I mean, Notre Dame fans, Michigan fans, Ohio State fans. uh, You go up and down the list, so many SEC fans where it's like, you know, look. Clemson, do they have four straight national championships or something? Like, who knows? And I just I think it's more about those fan bases and what he did to just the and it's not his fault. And again, I'm not blaming Saban. Well, it is his fault, but I'm also not uh, harping on the guy for being an excellent all time best coach. Is that like parody went out the window with him? Like once he figured out Alabama, it's just parody is out the door and we're going in this year. And I wrote about it where I'm like, I just. Bama's just the best team top to bottom. You go through everything and you're like, I, I just, they had a quote unquote down year and I'm going through every advanced stat and I'm going through everything. And I'm like, they're one, two in just about everything. And it was a down year in sabins mind. And they just got better. And it's just, I, they're just this inevitable part of the sport now that, I mean, Jameer Gibbs is like my Heisman favorite. And he just comes like, it's another guy. He's just like, I was, I could have had a great career and been a first round pick at tech. Like tech puts guys in the NFL he could have stayed. He's like, I'm just gonna go. Do they? Do they though? I mean, look, Tashard Choice. Uh, he uh, oh, Tashard
0: Choice what was that like 15 years ago? Roddy Jones, Jonathan Dwyer, <laughs> Jonathan Dwyer in the league. Uh, we're going like a decade ago. It's been a while for Tech. The, the Demarius Thomas and yeah. Calvin Johnson. That's we're, we're we're talking like offensive players. Twelve like 15 years ago for those guys. It's been a while for Tech. But yeah, just going through this list, it's like, yeah. you no, know, these guys. Like Jeremy Pruitt and Dan Mullen were probably more fired because of Kirby Smart or just their no.
1: Jeremy Pruitt got fired because Jeremy
0: Pruitt um, disliked them as people. He
1: was just not a good head coach and had no business being a head SEC coach. He just wasn't a CEO. Like that's the reason Jeremy Pruitt got fired. Is none of the Tennessee guys really got fired because of Saban? Um, Like Fulmer, it's like
0: is yeah. It kind of overlaps to the end of Saban, but. I mean that's not that's not the reason. No. full it was you know it's just people were tired of me. Kind of the recruiting oh, was going down. Yeah, it's it like kind of a slow slow down downward turn. But it was kind of like the Bowden stuff where you just saw the writing in the yeah. wall and you're like, this is ending. And they kind of had ending. to force out the legend. Yeah. Like that's that's just what, that's what happens sometimes. But yeah, it's Petrino and Hugh Freeze. Like these guys aren't getting fired because of uh, because of Nick Saban. They got their own thing going on.
1: Yeah for sure for sure did you see uh the list uh dog stats just put out by the way um no i did not uh the most returning 70 plus pff grade players in 2022 who would you guess is number 1 um i don't know maybe alabama georgia at 20 alabama is only returning 11 70 plus
0: uh ratings pff ratings I don't know. I, it's cool. It's cool to see Georgia at the top of a list. That I kind of, never know. It surprises never me because of just CFFs.
1: Georgia losing so much. And we'll get into their lost production. But the fact that they still have that many guys returning. And true or false, Matt Green, Stetson Bennett will be 25 years old before the end of yes. this college football season. <laughs>
0: yes, I saw that.
1: 25. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Chris Winkie. I mean, we thought that was crazy.
0: The, his age 30 season uh, in here. But... I just love seeing the old pictures of him rocking number twenty-two. <laughs> it's like the starting quarterback. That's how that's how low this guy was on the potential of being the starting quarterback at Georgia. He's number twenty-two. I feel like he he's got to be like the same age as like
1: Joe Cox. Like those two are somehow <laughs> the same age. Uh, Joe Cherisinski. It's like they're just uh, they're somehow the same age because he's been in this program and just bounced around for this long. Um, yeah, I mean, we're gonna he's start. He's gotta s-
0: be. At least Fromm's age. Maybe a year older than Fromm. <laughs> Fromm's been out of Georgia. It's like the third year he's been gone. Good
1: question. Now I want to pull this up. Is he older than Jake Fromm? He is older than Jake Fromm. Yeah, so. That's it's incredible. he has been around a while. He's out of football too, I think.
0: I think it's over for him in the NFL. Um, I read a piece on I him. I think Demetrius Robertson, like last year, was still in college when miko hardman was in like his third year in the nfl like it's kind of crazy that's another the five-star
1: if you go down the five-star rabbit hole of like what happened to that guy um he's one of those you gotta go wow that really just did not work out um the cal to georgia just never worked out wherever
0: this is interesting like what i think a lot of people forget about going into last year is georgia lost a lot from the 2020 defense like the 2020 defense was one of the top-ranked defenses in the country. And, you know, they lost Ojalari, like, basically the entire secondary. I think they lost, like, six guys from the secondary with transfers. And, like, they had four cornerbacks that that went pro or transferred. So, like, actually, I think they had four that went pro. And then five, uh, a fifth one, Tyreek Stevenson, went to Miami. So, hmm. they lost so much from that 2020 defense. It's just – they're just – this is what happens when you stack elite recruiting class on top of elite recruiting class. And, he, and I think this one's especially – it feels similar to the 2019 class that had uh, N'Kobe Dean and and Trayvon Walker and those guys that, that kind of just played situational roles, but just they, they would kind of be the third down squad. It seemed like the five-star freshman would kind of come in there on third downs and just kind of use situationally. I, I, I have a feeling that that's kind of what this 2022 class is going to be. It's going to have some of those guys that can – that can be used like kind of situationally just young, like five stars.
1: My, uh, four team playoff came out, uh, this week as well. Did you see who I put in my four and national champion?
0: Oh, you made your prediction. Where is mm. that? I did not see that.
1: Put it out in the piece. The college football playoff is boring. The conversation is boring piece that I wrote this week, uh, that you can go find at sports But, Uh my four. Do you have your four ready?
0: I don't know how to feel. Yeah, I feel like this should have been a segment. You know, I feel like you're you're two timing me over here. I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) sorry. I wrote about it. I I feel like you you have your four, right? No, I do have my four. Okay, well let's do that.
1: Um my four, Alabama one, Ohio State two, Texas AM three, Mm. Clemson four, and then I have AM beating Ohio State, and I have Alabama beating Clemson and then Alabama beating AM
0: and the Alabama over AM in the national championship. So I have mm. uh as my one seed, I have Ohio State. Mm. And then I'm gonna go Alabama to uh Georgia or excuse me, Utah, the three seed, and then Georgia, the four seed. And then I think I'm going to have Ohio State beating Georgia in the first round of the playoff, Alabama beating Utah, and then Ohio State beating Alabama national championship.
1: Mm. CJ Stroud just doesn't give me the hot, the championship quarterback buzz. He feels too much like a JT Barrett to me. I'm just not there with him. I need the Cardell Jones. I need the... I need the Justin Fields type. I need something more. He's not he's not isn't the dude he for just, me.
0: isn't he like a, a kind of a hybrid of all three no, of those? No, man. Guys he doesn't though? move
1: in the pocket at all. Everything is just so clean, 70% completion percentage. He makes the right throw. He does exactly what he's supposed to do. He
0: seems like the perfect type, uh the 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 prototype, though, in my right. opinion, that it can run and he is very athletic when you see him take off, but he literally can affect a game without running at all. Yeah. He's more of a pocket guy. Fields is okay moving around. Fields Fields seemed, yeah, like there's a lot more design runs for Justin Fields. Well, he's also bigger. Like Fields is a big
1: dude. Fields, he took a beating in the, that Clemson game, if you remember.
0: Yeah, he definitely did. But I, uh, I'm, I'm very high on CJ Stroud coming to this year. Like I, I think you can make the case that he is better than, than Bryce Young, honestly. (laughs) Like I think, I think they're right there. 1A, 1B personally. I mean, and, Ohio state just has the elite playmakers around him. Like Alabama's got play elite playmakers, but you know, Jameer Gibbs as good as he is, like he's not, he's not what Alabama, he's not Najee Harris. You know, he's not the typical just first round talent. Like he could be, he might be, you know, a breakout, like this might be his time. I think he'll have a very good season. Don't get me wrong. I think he'll have a, whatever similar production to Brian Robinson, just like a, a, a bell cow, um running back but the receivers like these receivers are not the typical james william jameson williams and just these first rounds or first rounder after first rounder like this ohio state team with trevion henderson with jackson smith and jigba marvin harrison jr like i don't even know who who the other guys they're gonna have that are gonna bust out it just this receiver group is just always elite and i don't know i think ohio state is gonna be improved defensively too like they're gonna be tough to beat Low-key tough agree. schedule. They might not go, run to go undefeated. It is a low-key tough schedule, but I really like Ohio State this year.
1: I think when people, and I, if people push back on the AM thing, my thing with AM
0: there is so, like
1: you go through the depth chart and like my preview and think about it. There's just so much talent now in this defense. There is so much talent. And Dita Durkin now in there at DC replacing Mike Elko. The defense was number three nationally in scoring defense right behind uh, Georgia and who's uh, Clemson, number two. Basically identical numbers to Clemson, number two. But because the offense was so bad and I was going through the numbers, and we'll get more into detail in the Aggies when we do our preview, but I think they're just going to... We're just going to be in the zone where the second-best SEC West team has a really good path to making the college ball playoff because... They're going to, I mean, we know the recruiting and we know just what they're going to be, whether it's Arkansas, Old Miss, Auburn, whoever it is, the number two, Alabama, LSU very soon. If you lose to Bama, you, it might be the best thing for you to avoid Georgia and the SEC title game and have to beat Georgia. Now, the problem arises is if Bama's undefeated, lose to Georgia in this scenario, and then those two just both get in. However it's an easier task to drop the Bama game this year, avoid Georgia and the sec title game. And then that be your lone loss and go in 11 yeah, and one. And then we'll
0: need Georgia to be 11 and one though. Correct.
1: So there's, they need some help if they don't go to the sec title game, but I, I just, the offense will not be as bad. I just refuse to believe that Haynes King, a healthy Haynes King will be what's out Calzada who might be number three at Auburn, uh, right now. So that leads us to, to that one. So We'll see if that ultimately
0: <clears throat> hold turns on. Before up. we move on from the playoffs, mm-hmm. though, if that scenario happens, so Ohio State is twelve and zero, wins the Big Ten, they're number one, or say they're twelve and zero going into the Big Ten championship, mm-hmm. they're number one. Alabama or Georgia is twelve and zero going to the SEC championship. Alabama is say eleven and one, and Alabama beats Georgia, right, <laughs> and they go to twelve and one and Ohio's and Utah is sitting here at 12 and 1 just won the Pac 12 does Georgia go to number 3 or does Georgia go to number 4 because i feel like it would just kind of it would just kind of be anticlimactic for our sport if we see Alabama number 3 knock off Georgia number 2 or maybe even Georgia number 1 if they're undefeated who knows and then Georgia just goes to number three, and Alabama's at two, and then we just see them play again in the first round. Like it seems Didn't they like they
1: avoid we this to... intentionally last year, where we made the case on the podcast where it's like they should actually, based on the like I don't remember the well, we're, I don't what think we could it? really make the case for Cincinnati ahead of Georgia, though. I mean, they were undefeated.
0: Yeah, but I mean, their best win is Notre Dame. Like, who's there? Like, who else did they? Really... Well, I guess the question would have Houston, been if
1: like... Oklahoma State won,
0: are they ahead of Georgia? I mean, there could have been more, more talk about a one-loss Big Twelve champion. Yeah, um, and it's possible, but mm-hmm. I think you could justify a, a team like Georgia, who was so dominant, like the full the whole season, like they were just basically. But I guess my everybody. broader point is,
1: like, you don't think that that was a conversation in the college football playoff committee office where they were like, "We can't put these two back to back. Like, we, yeah, we can't do this all over I again." Think
0: it would have been a lot more interesting if if like you're saying if there was a one loss Notre Dame or Mm. or Clemson was in the conversation or something because it would have been hard to justify Georgia being a one loss behind one of those teams or something but in this situation I don't I I feel like you if you can reasonably avoid the the rematch in the first especially a rematch we just saw like the last game like it's one Mm -hmm. thing if this is a a&M in Alabama, they played in week eight or something. But even that, you yeah, like avoid it if you can, right? Like, because we have seen the this game already. We have such a limited number of games we get to see in college football to begin with. Like, let's let's try to avoid if possible. Like you can't manipulate it if if it's just clear, if it's just clear who the best three teams are, or something like that, or something mm. you know, but it's if you could avoid it, I feel like it would just be better for the product if if you see Georgia Ohio state first round and then Alabama, Utah,
1: the Utah stuff, man, I just, can they beat Florida on the road first? And can we see a PAC 12 team back in the playoff? Uh, like I think they
0: can do it, man. I just, I think Clemson, I mean, obviously there's the the big 12. I just, I don't see the big 12 getting to the playoff this year. I just, well, what you're asking Utah to do is to sweep Oregon
1: USC and Florida.
0: I mean and BYU. We saw what they did to Oregon twice last year. That's like, three straight, is what I'm saying. I'm just I like Florida. If they're ever going to get Florida in the swamp, like and this is the time. I agree. The first year of a, a yeah. new administration, a new regime, where there so, are more
1: coaches than players.
0: <laughs> I saw that picture. Um, so I, I I really like Utah this year, and I even think one loss, Utah Pac-12 champion. <sighs> I mean, can they not be top four.
1: I mean, they're not getting in over a one loss. Two, if there are two one loss SEC teams, they're, that second SEC team's getting in over Utah.
0: And they could be. They could both get in though. In my scenario, I I could yeah, see both true. Them getting in. But a, a one loss Big Twelve champion, I think, gets the nod, or a one loss ACC champion. I think Pac twelve's the weakest one. I think they're going to get the least amount of cachet I, here. I personally think the Big 12 and ACC champion, who I think is, I believe I said, NC State and Oklahoma. Yes, you did. I think both of them will have more than one loss uh, this season. So I think that's what's going to help Utah. Even if they do lose one game, I think they can still. Well, that's what I should throw in. Is Clemson, I just feel like,
1: is sleepwalking into this. I just feel like Clemson sleepwalking into the playoff. And, I don't
0: know, man. It wasn't easy for them in last year uh, to get to that ACC schedule. Like, Miami is a legit contender in the ACC. Pitt is a contender, for sure.
1: Um, and hopefully uh, after week two, we don't feel the don't same.
0: Don't turn on my pack, man.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, starting quarterbacks, before we get into uh, some week zero preview action and our SEC previews, we wrap up our conference preview series. Matt Green. Um, Quinn Ewers, QB1 at UTK, or UTA, excuse me, UT Austin. Emery Jones wins the job at Arizona State. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. wins the job for year one for Kalen DeBoer at UW, Dylan Morris, and, uh, I think Sam Heward, uh, son of, uh, he's, I think he's a nephew of Brock Heward, uh, the NFL analyst. I don't think it's his son. I think it's his, that's his uncle. I think you're um, right. But... Highly touted kid. I think he was a five-star kid. Um, Brock Hewitt, a,
0: quality ESPN uh, personality.
1: He's good. Brock is good. Um, Charlie Brewer winning the Liberty job for his 19th year in college. Uh, in the third power, third FBS school, he will be starting a college football game for. Uh, shout out to JT Daniels, also pulling that off uh, by getting the job at hey, yeah.
0: West Virginia. And then TJ Finley. That Looking. would be an interesting list to come up with right there, Yeah, to cut you off. But guys to start quarterback <laughs> at three different schools, there can't be that many of those.
1: We're going to see four now. If the transfer portal waiver stuff goes away and you can just do one a year, like just you bounce around one at a time.
0: Yeah, just go to the next best situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, was, but also yeah.
0: Auburn, that was the last thing. Zach
1: Calzada might be number oh, three. Yeah um with tj finley being the week one starter at auburn
0: so which i what do think you make has of- to be a great thing it has to be the best news to come out of auburn camp is that calzada might be the third best quarterback because no disrespect to the sugar hill native but um mm. i do not think calzada is good at all so if he was going to be the starter at auburn i think there was a little a little something to worry about i feel like tj finley showed last year like that he he's a capable quarterback like he can he has some potential i think tj finley could be real solid i don't think he's suspended or anything right mm-hmm. he just got that he's not right no, i don't think so no yeah so i think i think this has got to be <clears throat> tj finley's job personally
1: which of those names who won the job which are you most excited about watching though
0: um it's hard to be too high on Penix. Um, or Emory Jones, we've kind of seen what they've done, you know, like they could both elevate, you know, the programs they've gone to, but Quinn Ewers has to be the answer just because mm. like I don't know how high I am on Quinn Ewers, you know. Like I like obviously I'm not any kind of recruiting expert or anything, but you know, we've seen his rating. We we've seen all that. He just sat out the entire year of Ohio State. I just wanna see him. I wanna see what this guy's all about. Is is he is he the what is he gonna live up to the hype? And so you heard a lot about Hudson Card like might be yeah. leading the the competition. I don't know what was that a smoke screen or did what did the boosters going get
1: involved? But, the NIL collective, or they're like, No, this is not happening. I don't like, care we're if he's up out- to
0: this guy however much yeah. <laughs> year. You're gonna start him. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe a little GM a little NFL what NFL coaches have to deal with. But yeah. um yeah so Quinn Ewers is definitely the guy. like I mean, if he just comes in and he's just you know taking college football by storm, like this this college football season all of a sudden gets gets very interesting if, if Texas truly is back. We've heard we've heard proclamations, declarations in the past of Texas being back, but um, yeah I'm really excited to see actually what Quinn Ewers has to offer. Wish he would cut his hair, you know. But I'm a mm. I'm an old uh, an old geezer at this point. What do I know about fashion?
1: Ewers versus uh, Bryce Young, week two. That'll be fun.
0: Yeah, man. It uh, it definitely should be. I'm and I still haven't heard anything about Oregon starting quarterback. I I kind yeah. of assume Bo Nix, but Ty, Ty Thompson, Thompson. It easily could be. So if it's Bo Nix, it it feels like kind of. Uh going up against Georgia, kinda of doing the same thing and expecting different results. Like I, I don't imagine uh it going differently if it's Bo Nix playing Georgia. But if it's Ty Thompson, who knows? Maybe he gives Georgia a different look. So Dan Laning probably doesn't want to show his hand, give give Georgia any 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 benefit there.
1: Yeah for sure they probably want just their guy that linebacker former five-star guy who's played like four games total in his career flow uh is it josh flow justin flow justin yeah. flow yeah um so he's healthy right now and that can matter in the georgia game like if they have uh flow and what's the other uh, Noah linebacker? Sewell. yeah that's potential two first round talent linebackers uh in that game and they need everybody possible uh for that georgia game in the opener that one i I'm leaning more and more towards that game, not being a blowout and being closer than people think.
0: It could be, it'll, um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I'm,
1: I'm fascinated by that one. Um, George is going to win, but I just think it'll be a little bit closer. I'm, I'm, I'm hedging, uh, a week out. Uh, I'm, I might be taking the, the Oregon cover there is where I'm leaning on that one. Speaking yeah, don't, of
0: spoiler picks, uh, for next week. And I want room to
1: change my mind over the next couple of days. Matt green. um, Week zero action is here, uh, Mac Green. We have a lot of games on the docket. Tennessee's not one of them. I mean, Florida State, look, you get De Quincey in the building. Tallahassee's losing it. They're excited. Jordan Travis back under center. They're ready to get the the Dukes in there. I don't know if they're the Dukes. I heard that on College ball and censored this week, and I didn't double-check to see if De Quincey is the Dukes, but we'll see. Um who are you talking about? De Quincey?
0: The De Quincey? Florida State's playing? Yeah. <clears throat> Duquesne. Duquesne, yeah. Um, I do not know their their mascot. but um, Is it really pronounced Duquesne? Yeah. <clears throat> How is it you spelled? Never, you've never heard of uh, Duquesne before? No. I've, heard, I've seen him in basketball. I want to say um, Mike James. Is that mm. the, that point guard that played for a while? I think he went to Duquesne. Mike James? Mike James is his name, right? I mean, he was a bald point guard that like was around for the heat was around for a while. Mm -hmm. I want to say he went to Duquesne, um, but they are Duquesne University Dukes. That is correct about the mascot. Well, it's also Duquesne Duquesne University of
1: the Holy Spirit, um, folks.
0: Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Is is that right? Is it in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yes. Um, One of the
1: nation's top Catholic universities um there you go. yeah there you go uh but that's who the the Chesney over
0: here what is this guy i've never I seen expect, it before i
1: expect better from you hold on i've never heard that word out loud it's a word i've seen a billion times we all have those words where you've you've seen them and you've never heard it out loud so you're just like i have no idea how to actually pronounce this and you're just going with it when you're reading books and coming across new words if you you don't take the time to pull out the old uh Dictionary.com app and press the what does this sound like out loud, then you might be uh, taking a risk there a little bit.
0: There, there you go. <laughs> Mike James was uh, was a Duquesne alumni, by the way.
1: There you go. See, I redeemed myself there. um Well, Matt Green, we're not going to talk about and preview the Florida State game. They should win. Uh, this is not Jacksonville State coming in there, so they should be just fine uh, at home there. Um, I think I was actually in attendance for a Jacksonville State, uh, Florida State game when my cousin was there uh, over a decade ago now. Where I think that was the Ryan Peralu Jacksonville State team. I think Peralu was on the the Gamecock at that point. Yeah,
0: former LSU LSU great Ryan per-
1: Another former five star did not work out. All the talent in the world just did not uh, come together for him. Um, Week zero, though, I have three games as we shake the rust off of our betting preview, Mac Green. I think the three of it, we're going in blind here. I mean, you got the Dublin game, which I'm very excited to watch because it was supposed to happen in the COVID year, right? Like, wasn't this was canceled? There was some sort Is of Dublin. Right? It wasn't these two, but there was a overseas game i feel like that was supposed to be played overseas and then 2020 wiped that out i don't remember who it was but there was supposed to be somebody a couple years ago um in 2020 and i'm not i don't remember who it was exactly um but we get nebraska northwestern i'm excited for this one i think it's going to be a lot of fun matt green we've got wyoming versus illinois excited for that one craig bowl big craig bowl guy over here cowboy action Like I'm excited for that one. I think that's going to be a physical game. Craig, I mean, Hey, when you get, uh, Brett Bielema and Craig bowl in that pregame handshake, I, the intensity between the two of them and just like the, just the serious football guys, the big football dude, it's going to be a pretty (laughs) intense pregame handshake. So I keep an eye on that. Um, and then the nightcap that. that, that I'm very excited about, you know how I feel about the rainbow warriors. You know how I feel about Hawaii football, Timmy Chang is back in the building in Honolulu. We get the Timmy Chang first game of his college football head coaching career coming over from Colorado State. Uh, hasn't I don't even think he's been a coordinator to this point, uh, but he gets the job. It, we thought it was going to be June Jones, a crazy situation with Todd Graham, a mass like Exodus. Um, so they lost like over 50 players to the portal. Um, so they lost all kinds of dudes. Vanderbilt. when uh they're uh over under the season i think it's two and a half they got to get this one on the road to kick things off in hawaii they start things off uh with a vacation of sorts to to get things going here but matt green the three big ones what are you most intrigued by here
0: uh definitely the dublin game Mm. i think we all want to see nebraska i think they're the only team that's playing on that 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 opening weekend that you're really uh Wonder what they could be this year like florida state no one no one cares about that duquesne game right That's mm-hmm. like that's north carolina maybe they play the the rattlers oh, you know i like that you said that love the rattlers coach florida
1: AM's good they were recruited pretty well they're gonna cover i just go ahead and write that in that's another new quarterback in the building drake mays uh won that job this past week at unc they said their they're two quarterbacks are gonna play Go ahead and pencil in the rattlers covering on that one, folks. That that is one you can hold pencil me to next week. Pencil it in. What's the what's the spread looking like? Doesn't matter. Pencil
0: thing? it in. I don't even see an available spread here on the scoreboard. All right, put pencil it in. Whatever it is, I that's what
1: I'm here for. So, um, do you have the three spreads for the games in question, Matt Green?
0: Yeah. So we got a uh, Nebraska is a. Th- what does that say? 13 point favorite in this one over Northwestern. And it's just, I, I do like Nebraska in this one. I think uh, Casey Thompson's going to make this offense more explosive this year. Um, but. I don't know. I still need to see it. I think Northwestern just has a way of, of making teams get down in the mud with them, you know, mm. and it's like, this is going to be 16 to nine or something. And I think uh, Nebraska, and there seems like there's something with the NFL games in those Europe uh, made the long grass or something. A lot of these uh, English uh, field pitches, if you will, obviously this is Dublin. This is Ireland, but uh, same, same concept. So, I feel like there's always less offenses in those NFL games that are in England. Am I, am I on to something there? You're a bigger NFL guy than me. It seems like those are always ugly games, right? They're ugly, but it's also just more of like, there's more
1: upset potential there. Like, you just, you don't really know how the traveling's going to go, how, like, if the, like, the Jags are basically the London team now, and it's like a home game for the Jags, so there's some weird stuff there, but... Um, I don't know. I think it. it's also different for professional athletes and college kids. Like, this is a totally different thing to keep these college kids and their heads locked in on uh, on game week when you're in Dublin. Like, these are 18, 19-year-old kids um, who are going to be distracted, I think, by the, the sights and sounds of Dublin, Ireland. But I am right there with you where this... Is not the team you want to play in Dublin if you're Scott Frost. Like the team, like the weather's not great. The defense is going to be there. Say what you will about Pat Fitzgerald and where they're at as a program. The defense is going to be good. Like I don't see a scenario where the defense is not uh, one of the uh, best in the Big Ten next year. Um, I don't know. I just, this feels like an upset to me. I'm going cats here. And I've also kind of, the maybe part of this is just the, the the Nebraska. Like I was reading the report of like how much they're emphasizing their because they finally got a special teams coach this year, which is something they did not have before this year in Lincoln uh, under Scott Frost. I everything about it, the throwing up stuff this past week that I sent you of like never seen like all the different offensive linemen that have been puking in practice, and you're like, none of this sounds good. All of this sounds like a coach who's getting fired this year and i i think they lose here i am all in on the adrian martinez stuff and the redemption tour and with that the yin the yang for adrian martinez to rise nebraska and the scott frost (laughs) era must
0: fall so give me the wild they can't just both both have better seasons they can't sorry fair enough fair enough so you're going northwestern outright so i'm going nebraska to get the win but i'm but i don't think they're going to cover okay um, what was it, 13, right? Okay, and then um, Wyoming and Illinois. Mm. Uh, the Illini are 11-point favorites in this one, and it's hard to, uh, speaking of bad offenses, you mm. know, like North Illinois was just an awful offense last year, but um, I feel like year two, you know, I feel about guys in year two. I feel like year two of Bielema, uh, new offensive coordinator from um, UTSA. I think Illinois is going to be better this year. And Wyoming, yeah, they were solid in, uh, in the what conference, are they in Mountain West? Um, they were solid last year in the Mountain West, but um, I think Illinois wins this. And I'm going I'm to take Illinois and the points. Can you remember uh, Wyoming upsetting into
1: Power Five school any time in the last like decade?
0: No, not off the top of
1: my head. Right? Like, I don't have any recollection. Even the Josh Allen years, they never
0: upset anyone major that I recall. I feel like maybe Iowa? I feel like there was a... It's funny you say that. Iowa was the first team that came to my head. I wonder, that may have happened. Iowa's been beaten a couple times, like by... Like, I think North Dakota State may have beaten Iowa one year. Mm. Um, yeah, that's it's interesting that that was the first one you thought of. Because once you said that, Iowa was the first team... I don't remember, my
1: mind, but, but email us, chase at gmail.com. But I don't recall the exact uh, team that uh, i just, I feel like they've done it once and I don't remember who it was, but I was jumped out to me first. Um, I'm going to say Illinois wins this and covers. I think Illinois is going to be better uh, this year. I think the offense is going to be a little bit better. Um still think it's a rough season overall once they get into big 10 play, but Wyoming on the road early, Illinois doesn't lose first games of the season very often i looked that up uh fan had like illinois has won 10 of their last 11 opening games and you just think about uh wyoming and i don't know they just they're they have not pulled it off uh, a lot of power five victories solid program craig bowl doing a great job over there in cow- cowboy country but uh give me the fight in a lion eye to win and cover
0: all right so um I'm not able to necessarily answer this question, but mm. Wyoming has played Iowa three times and they are 0 and 3 all time okay. versus the Hawkeyes. So hmm. it was not Iowa. I'm not sure who it was. I was kind of looking through some, but uh, I'm not sure who it was that they, they crapped up and beat. But uh, it was not the Hawkeyes.
1: Now um, I'm just and then so our, I need
0: to know. And then our last one, we got Hawaii and Vandy. Mm. The Commodores, eight-point road favorite. I just feel like Hawaii, like, yeah, it's cool that Timmy Chang's back and everything. Maybe they can get back on track as a program. Mm. Um, But with, yeah, like you were talking about, everything that's going on off the field, like just the mass exodus off this team and everything. Um, I don't like Vanderbilt very much, but I like Vanderbilt to win this one. Oh, my God. I realized who it was. Why Who did they beat it? Tennessee in 2008?
1: <laughs> I forgot about this. Okay. Uh, I, oh my God. They beat Tennessee in 2008. Mm. They were 26 point dogs and beat Tennessee 13 to 7 in 08.
0: Oh, wait. So was it Nick Saban that Phil got <laughs> Phil Fomer fired? Or, or was, was it, it losing, to losing to Wyoming at home? Wyoming, I think that hurt a little bit more.
1: There you go. They also beat uh, Boise in uh, 2016, where Boise was number 13. And that was the Josh Allen year, where he beat Brett Rippon in a 38-28 uh, big okay. one. So that also, was a big tell one. tell
0: me why Wyoming and Tennessee played in Nashville in 2002. That well, I have no idea. This reminds my gears.
1: Yeah. Uh, that I cannot answer for you, sir. Um, so last one. Who did you have? We uh what is the spread for Hawaii Vanderbilt?
0: Oh yeah, so this is a 8 point Vanderbilt's an 8 point favorite and That's I'm it. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to go Vanderbilt because everything going on with this Hawaii program like I said. Give me the Commodores.
1: That's wild. It's only 8. Um I guess just yeah, being on the Vanderbilt. road. <laughs> I mean, you should be blowing this team out, man. Like
0: um also, Hawaii is the only acceptable non-power five road road game to play. <laughs> like, and I'll give you someone's playing BYU this year. Mm-hmm. Is it Arkansas is playing at BYU? That's not a terrible one, but they're about to be a power five, so it. it, it Wait, is Arkansas be... playing at BYU? Yeah, I think they're at BYU this year. But uh, there's another one. I I'll, We'll get to it when we get there. It's it's real ACC type stuff. ACC, mm. ACC loves just playing road games at, at Charlotte and Old Dominion and all these lesser than teams. You don't give up a home game for Old Dominion. Okay. Grinds my um, gears.
1: I'm going to go Vanderbilt to win and cover. Uh, but I will say I'm interested to see who uh, Hawaii throws out there. They have a couple different options like – uh, it might be Cammon uh, Cooper. He spells his name C-A-M-N-C-A-M-M-O-N Cooper, Washington State transfer. He committed to Jay Graham. There's something to watch here. Strong, strong Hooker vibes here. Transfers in January, uh, I think, and kind of like that Hooker where he committed to Jimmy Pruitt and that staff and uh, kind of stuck with it after the fact and after the mass exodus, hung around didn't have the starting job it looks like it's going to be um uh Braden Schrager uh has uh been with the program um I think he was I, I want to say he was the backup last year but I could be wrong um but we'll see run and gun Hawaii late at night Timmy Chang things are good Hawaii's running the right offense seems like the vibes are better but it's going to be a long painful rebuild in uh Aloha country so give me Mike Wright and the fighting commodores to win and cover and if they lose this one the under is just guaranteed the like you cannot blow this one if you're your band yeah
0: two and a half they uh, they're in need they're in need this one Mm -hmm. all right matt green
1: well i am ready to get into our last conference preview we've got
0: the sec my friend all right so we're going to start in the sec east We're going to do it alphabetically as we do. Mm. And we're going to start with the Florida Gators. Mm. Over under is seven and a half on Florida. I've got the under here. So um, how how many games do you see them winning? Seven. I think seven and five is where they end up. So I think I have them looking at – I have them starting one and three. I think – I think they could easily start one and three. They could, they could win Utah and Kentucky too, but I, I think that's a I tend to order, think, man. Yeah. I, I tend to think they're going to be more six game. Like I'm putting them at six wins and that's counting LSU as a win. And I mm-hmm. think LSU is, that's a questionable one right there. So they're going to have a lot of toss up games. I feel like we'll get to LSU in a second. I kind of feel it's similar about LSU and Florida this year that just half of their schedule is kind of toss up games. Like, South Carolina, they could win, they could lose. Kentucky, they could win, they could lose. It's going to, and I'm counting Florida state too. Like I think that's a team that we all on the road to be this better. year. And it's like, ah, uh, that, that's, that's bold too. So yeah, I think we're both feeling the under I, and I think Anthony Richardson being just an absolute star, I think is the only thing that, that puts them ahead of uh, above seven and a half wins. I think that they're, they're going to need him to be a superstar for that to happen. And I don't, I don't necessarily see that, and yeah, we'll we'll both go under there.
1: I um I don't know when you look at this schedule uh, for me, you look at um who where I just had it in front of me where to go. Oh, there it is. So Utah, Kentucky. What I think they do is they split there. They beat South Florida. They lose to Tennessee. So two and two. Beat Eastern Washington. Three and two. Beat Missouri at home. Four and two. I think they lose to LSU at home. Four and three. I think they lose to Georgia. Four and four lose at AM and Four and five beat South Carolina. Five and five um, beat Vandy and then beat Florida State. But I think it's toss up. I think they have to really trot. They have to really hone in later on in the season to get that seven and five. I think it's six and six is on the table for me. I would not be surprised if the Gators are six and six in year one.
0: Yeah, seven and five seems like best case scenario of this year. Um, but I don't know. What do you think is the most interesting
1: part of them? Like what? Is it Anthony Richardson? Is it like a coordinator hire? Like, I don't know. What they're just so boring this year. Like, Florida to me, I I don't think Anthony Richardson's gonna be a Heisman type. I don't see it. Uh, I don't with, see the
0: Anthony Richardson, and I don't I think the, the recruiting is what Dan Mullen's been uh criticized, was what he was always criticized so much for. So it's not like the cupboard's necessarily bare. They're still Florida, but they're just they don't have that talent that it's going to take to, to truly compete. And I don't feel like they even have like LSU's talent but I don't feel like it's going to be as quick of a turnaround. Like I, I just, I don't know. And, and Napier is a guy that it's hard to know exactly what you're getting. Like with Heupel, a guy who's his first year in a power five conference, I feel like you had a lot more of an I, a clear idea on what you're getting at a Heupel and Napier, you know, it remains to be seen. And Anthony Richardson, we've seen the talent, but We've also seen a lot of a lot of bad plays too. So I just they, think it's gonna be a teams. run first
1: team, like Montrell Johnson coming over from Louisiana, Fallen Napier. They're just gonna run the ball a bunch. I don't think the pass game's gonna be great. Like Justin Shorter has to be a star. Like he has to finally come through. And if he doesn't, I just
0: I don't see the Gators' offense doing enough. I think they're gonna be some real problems. And I'm uh, I'm blanking on the the transfer receiver they have uh, coming in from Arizona State um he and he needs to be one of their top options too so we'll see uh ricky piercelle or ricky pierce there you go it? yeah you uh, got your uh your phil steel bible handy i see
1: yeah i looked at it and i, I there it. you go. yeah um but i will say too you know it's interesting who do you think is the all-time passing leader in gator history
0: i would have to say danny werfel uh, oh, number two chris leek chris leek number one yes. all time yeah because i think chris leek's like third or fourth in sec history and passing yards dude was there forever another guy that was at
1: florida seemingly <laughs> forever um number three shane matthews though um and emmett mm-hmm. smith not number one all-time rushing for them is it uh is it
0: it's not tim tebow is it no i don't think you're gonna get eric it it's eric Rett? Rett. yeah it's eric Rett. oh don't don't mind yeah. my uh my 90s florida knowledge sir there you go I just he wouldn't have, have guessed that butt. because it was
1: the run and shoot and it was just the, the prolific offense and pass, pass, pass. Chris Doring and Fred. Oh, I didn't
0: even think of Fred Taylor. I probably would have said Fred Taylor if I would have thought mm.
1: of them. Okay.
0: That's a big Fred uh, Taylor guy. Jacksonville, the black visor. Oh yeah. Fred Taylor.
1: Don't let a lot of Georgia fans hear that, Matt Green.
0: Hey, Fred Taylor. I, re- I, re- I respect the re- I respect the game. The the Jaguars were I loved when the when Jacksonville first came along. They just uh they really killed their uniforms, or they killed it with their uniforms just right out of the gate. And then I don't know why they started messing with it in the last decade. They don't know what they're doing.
1: Brands the just get antsy, and teams are like, "We yeah. have to do it because we've been. This is what we've been for." They we were just like the up.
0: Panthers. The Panthers yeah. and the Jaguars came in the league together. They 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 killed it. They Panthers like, are still pretty uniforms. clean uniforms. Yeah, they they didn't need to change them. And I'm glad the Panthers have held on to them. Texans too, like they just came right in, nailed it the first time.
1: There you go. We're we going to uniform
0: talk for the... Okay. So let's <laughs> well, um, not conclude Maybe like it I won't, won't make any promises. Um, next, we got the Georgia Bulldogs at yep. eleven and a half, sir. So what are you what are you thinking with the dogs? They're gonna have That's a second high. straight regular uh, undefeated regular
1: season. I don't. I think they're. I'm going under. I think it's eleven and one. I think uh, eleven and one is where I'm at with them. I think not to go full Chris Doring here. Uh, with the 11-1 and Kentucky Wildcats, but I think the one loss for Georgia is Tennessee. I I feel Mm -hmm. it in my bones is that Tennessee is going to beat Georgia, and they are going to lose a game in Columbia where I am losing my absolute mind and attendance in November to the Gamecocks in the dumbest game possible and not following through on finally getting over the Florida and Georgia hump. By losing the dumbest game possible late in the season to another uh, inferior SECE school. So um, 11 and 1 feels about right to me for the dogs.
0: See, I tend to think if that was on the road, I think I've said that a few times. If that was on the road, I would feel a lot worse about that game. And it's interesting position where it is right behind Florida. I don't think George has ever played Florida, Tennessee back to back. It's a very mm. new scheduling uh, uh, situation there. But I think the best opportunities for Georgia to lose is either at South Carolina week three mm-hmm. or I, I tend to think they make it to November undefeated. Um, well, hold on. How is this get... going to
1: affect your wedding vibes uh, if they do go down? Uh, oh, South man, Carolina. that'd be a real buzzkill.
0: might not mm-hmm. even show up for that. <laughs> Um, I might just go, turn around and go home. Well, that's like half
1: my family, like a bunch of people, like the vibe in uh, oh, the Chase man. Thomas podcast You got wedding. to be rooting yeah. for Georgia that
0: day. <sighs> You're um, me. So, yeah, but I, South Carolina is still – like that's, that's, that's wanting South Carolina to take a big step in year two if we're talking about beating Georgia. Although, did you see the light show that got leaked, mm-hmm. uh, the Williams-Price, the, the sandstorm? Oh man, I got I got juiced for it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, Sandstorm has a lot of. uh love or hate vibes. I feel like
1: anyone has. who hates that is just out of their mind. Like we pick on South Carolina, but they nail it with their home atmosphere I'm and everything. Saying,
0: like I, I would never listen to a rave music like that any other time, but yeah. it, it gets you going. I'm a big fan of the the, the sandstorm. And I man, was the whole freezing new...
1: my ass off at the Tennessee Georgia game where Georgia fans just took over in that fourth quarter that people forget that Georgia fans <laughs> just overtook Nealon stadium uh, as every Tennessee fan left um, as seen by the black uh, coats and black
0: it's true attire. I just don't lie. Yeah, uh, but um, but yeah, I they so they have the new light show and everything like everyone's getting so it was it was a pretty uh, cool little uh, video that got leaked online so you should check it out. But um, I mean, doesn't Georgia do that too? Like new- everybody does the light show now. Yeah, everyone's got. It, but they also had it going with the, the, with the they, they actually have a song. Yeah, was- they
1: have like a guaranteed song with it that makes it even better. Yeah,
0: exactly. But if that's gonna be a noon game at Georgia, so you can't utilize it. You know, but it's yeah. gonna be a hundred degrees, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I think Georgia gets to November undefeated. And then you got Tennessee at Mississippi state at Kentucky and then Georgia tech. I think Mississippi Tennessee,
1: state's the only other one, right? State. Like Mississippi the, state.
0: Exactly. I think those are the toughest games. The cowbell, you know, just they play all- tough. Exactly. Mississippi state's going to, going to get someone, you know, they're going to, there's a few teams that go to Starkville this year that are going to be maybe top 10 or so. And I think, Mississippi State's going to get somebody, but I think Georgia's going to be much better offensively this year Hmm. than they were. Maybe not much better, but I should say just even better. Like they're just going to be like a crisper offense. Like I think we're kind of downplaying that Stetson Bennett has never been going through the off season as through the spring, through this, through the summer as the number one guy. And that's, there's a lot of first team reps that he's never gotten as the established starter on the team. And I think that should help him a lot in the, in his second full season as the starter under Todd Munkin. I think Georgia's we've talked about the tight end room is just absolutely loaded. I think the receiving group, it might not be filled with those top tier first round George Pickens types, but it's just a lot of good receivers. So I feel like it's four or five deep and just good receivers. And then that tight end room, you're talking about, you know, maybe, maybe two or three first round picks in that tight end room. Like, those guys, if, if they reach their potential, I think this offense, I think the offensive line should be even better. Um, and then the defense, it just under Kirby Smart, under Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann, it's hard to see this defense being anything other than really good. So if they're just as good at, at offensively as they were a year ago, maybe even a little better, I think. I think they, there's a chance they're like not quite as good of a team as they were last year, but there's still no one on the schedule that necessarily, necessarily scares you enough. I think it is a favorable schedule, and so I, I I'm going to go over. I'm going to take Georgia going undefeated regular season for the second straight year.
1: My two biggest questions with Georgia. Number one, you talk about the offense. One of the things that Georgia fans get antsy about this, you bring this up, we have not seen them play from behind all that much where that's something I want to see is Georgia and Stetson Bennett have to play from behind because one of the things about Stetson Bennett that a lot of folks miss is that he's not a game manager. The man's a gunslinger. And that's it, true. like what happens if they're down 17 seven at the half against Oregon and Oregon's healthy defensively and they're good. And Dan Lanning, just knowing Stetson Bennett really, really well just causes all kinds of havoc for him in the opener. Like I want to see what this Georgia team looks like when they can't run the ball down your throats and just run like they're up 30 to nothing before you know it. Like I want to see when they have to rely on Stetson to do stuff with Lad McConkey and not just focus on the tight ends and just be able to play that big set that they're going to want to play a lot. Like I'm curious to see what Georgia's offense looks like when they're playing from behind because they have not been challenged all that much in, in the Stetson Bennett time, uh, if him in their center. So when we talk about Stetson and how great he was last year, he really was never behind. Like it was, he stepped up in the national title game and that was huge, but I would like to see a little bit more because it was such a rare thing. And Tennessee and Georgia's numbers offensively are nearly identical across the board. When you look through them, Tennessee had to play from behind or Hinden Hooker had to play from a position where it's like, the defense is not getting a stop here. So I have to keep coming back out, and I have to keep scoring, and this is just how it goes. Georgia's not in that spot, and I don't think with their loss of production on defense, it's going to be a big thing. But speaking of loss of production, my second thing about them is they are 12th in returning production in the SEC next year. So it doesn't mean they're going. To, the sky is falling. It just means that they are going to have a lot of new faces it means a lot of extremely talented players will be stepping in and it's a new defa- new co-dcs we don't know what will Muschamp and uh what glenn shulman is that it? is it Shul- shulman shulman. Yeah. shulman yeah um are gonna be like his co-dcs does that work seamlessly is that just like they pick up right where dan Lanning left off we'll see um those are things i'm very very curious about and if I think those are fair, right? Those are fair questions for Georgia. Is like, what Stetson Bennett and this offense looks like if they have to play from behind and really have to struggle uh, where the defense isn't 100%, the defense isn't overwhelming, and they're in a shootout against Tennessee this year where they the, the first quarter adjustments don't hang on. It's like, no, you're going to be in this game with them until the fourth quarter, and Stetson's going to have to go throw for throw and can't do the Will Levis pick that cost... Kentucky basically against Tennessee, where Kentucky was going back and forth in Tennessee at home. Will Evans had a pick six to Alante Taylor, and that kind of put Tennessee up two scores, and it was just really, really tough for Kentucky to come back. But um I just I wonder what happens there. It's not going to happen often. It might happen only once in the regular season, but I think it will be interesting to see if that's the case.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to know until until you know, right? So the fact that you didn't see it much from Georgia last year, it's like, it's hard to think you're going to see it much this year because I think the offensive line should be much improved this year. I think, you know, Tate Ratledge is a guy who got hurt like the third play of the game, I think versus Clemson missed the entire season. He's also had a, another injury that in this uh, fall camp. So he's a guy that I think it should have been a starter at guard all year last year. And then, Broderick Jones slip slid in in the national championship at left tackle. And I think, I think that's a guy who's a future first rounder. Personally, I think think Broderick Jones is an elite talent. And I think the running game, like as like, there's kind of this perception of Georgia of what they were that, Oh, they just run the ball and they don't really, you know, the passing game is just kind of secondary, but in the first half of games, like, when the game is in the balance, I think Graham coffee had a great stat showing this like Georgia's passing offense was basically equivalent to Ohio state and CJ Stroud, like in the Mm -hmm. first half of games. And it was, and it was better than, than the Oklahoma's of the world. It was better than a lot of other teams in the country last year, but then they just got up on teams and kind of, and coasted. So as good as the offense was, I feel like it could have been even better if they actually were in close games and, they weren't just had things wrapped up after the th- third quarter. But also, Zamir White wasn't – he's not DeAndre Swift, right? He's not Sonny Michelle or Todd Gurley. He's not any of these stud running backs. Like, James Cook was a good, like, change of pace weapon. These guys weren't necessarily the elite, you know – Georgia running backs that they've had typically I think Kendall Milton he he might have some of that five-star potential like Kenny McIntosh I think he has more of that DeAndre Swift like game breaker potential than a Zamir White had so like this offense like with with Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, th- those two guys combined for like, I think like 2,400 yards in 2017 when Georgia to the national championship James Cook and Zamir White combined for like 1500 yards last year. Like it was not mm. like a dominant run game or anything. So I think Georgia, the Georgia passing offense, I don't think necessarily gets enough credit. And even if it is not the receivers, it's just the tight ends. Like Brock Bowers couldn't be stopped last year. So if Eric Gilbert, you know, if he's what he was supposed to be coming out of high school, like it's hard. Like I, I could definitely see Georgia's top two receiving uh, leaders being their to two, top two tight ends. So I think they're just they're, – they're loaded with playmakers. And I, I tend to just, you know, give Kirby the benefit of the doubt that the defense is going to be good. Like, I mean, as as much as they did lose, they still bring back Jalen Carter, who was ob- arguably the best defensive lineman on the team last year. That guy just wreaks havoc. And while they might not be as deep on the defensive line, having the one guy that's maybe the best defensive lineman in the entire country, I think, could kind of equalize that. And then you also got Nolan Smith, Keeley Ringo, Chris Smith, a couple returning starters. So as much as I think Georgia might take a step back, I don't know if there's anyone that can necessarily expose them on their schedule. Like I think, I think um, that's why South Carolina early, like the third game, that feels more dangerous than Mississippi State late. That's interesting.
1: I feel like Mississippi State's more dangerous for them. And we'll get into Mississippi State. I Maybe yeah. I'm just pretty high on them, and I'm a lot higher on Mississippi State than South Carolina. And I also just saw South Carolina give them hell. Uh, I mean, uh, excuse me, Mississippi State give Georgia a lot of hell when Will Rogers was a virtual unknown at that point um, a couple of years back. So I don't know. It's a different kind of style. It, it kind of reminds me of the um, – uh, what always plagues Saban, right, is the Hugh Freeze types, the Gus Malzon yeah. offenses are the ones that get them. And I think Kirby, like, getting got by a Mike Leach offense would not be the most surprising thing in the world. Where, like, Kentucky tries to beat Georgia playing Georgia football, and you're like, oh, you're just going to get your ass kicked. This is never going to work. They're just a matchup problem. Um, But you go out and where you're like Mississippi state and where our run plays are two yard screens, uh, out wide. Like we're never going up the middle against you. We're not going against yeah, Jalen Carter think, and company.
0: And I think that's part of it. why Kentucky just doesn't really scare Georgia fans. It's, it's like, okay. Yeah. The people that are predicting Kentucky, it's like, yeah, they're a, a nine, 10 potential 10 win team. And it's on the road at Kentucky. Yeah. It fits the formula for an upset, but it's like, they're not gonna they're not gonna beat Georgia. Like they're not gonna out Georgia, Georgia. Whereas Tennessee, they're an actual dangerous opponent. But I think Tennessee was that game last year that, okay, if someone we gotta score a little bit, someone's gonna, you know, punch us in the mouth, you gotta punch him back. I think that was a really like a character building game for Georgia last year. Like Tennessee just drove right down the field on that first possession. And for Georgia to just respond the way they did, and then I think I don't know what the that James Cook touchdown pass that made it like two, like they make like a 14 point game at halftime. I think it was like a game that went back and forth. And you know, what I'm talking I think about that only
1: that, went up, that you only went up round. seven on that one. I think that was earlier than you think. The James Cook swing pass, were, or maybe that
0: was a run. Was that a run that he had? That was the big he had the long run was the first touchdown. That's what game. I'm thinking of. Yeah, I don't remember. but yeah. yeah, that the one in the corner, that long touchdown pass, yeah. that was like right before halftime. Yes, so that, I think I know that was. About one of my favorite plays of the year honestly because it was it was really like I'm happy Georgia got tested in that first half and they're up like two touchdowns right like it just it kind of spoke to how good of a team Georgia was they were able to kind of like take that Tennessee's best shot on the road a hostile environment and all that so banners live
1: forever 17 points on Georgia <laughs>
0: So yeah, it'll be interesting. I think uh it the the odds aren't likely to go undefeated two straight years, but I think uh I think the dogs can get it done.
1: All right, we disagree. Uh where are we going next?
0: You're going under. Um Kentucky, eight and a half. Mm. The, the Wildcats. So looking at their schedule. I'll get into this a little bit. I think we're going to have a lot of ranked teams in the SEC in like the first like six, seven weeks of the year. I'm seeing a lot of good starts from teams. And then they're just going to beat each other up. Yeah, And then they are. There's the teams that are going to lose a lot of games in a row, I think, I'm afraid. Um, <clears throat> so I think Kentucky is going to start 4-0. Um, Florida is really the only question there. It's a bunch of out-of-conference games. Um, all due respect to the to the Red Hawks of Miami, Ohio, mm. um, and then I think Ole Miss. I think is where Ohio is where Kentucky gets their first loss. Personally, at on the road, just because like I just don't see Kentucky as that team that that wins every game they should. Like I think they I think they're going to be a better team than Ole Miss this year, but on the road is a little different. And then I think they can win South Carolina, Mississippi State at home, and I also have them losing at Tennessee. And then losing to Georgia, but they've absolutely dominated Louisville three years in a row. So I think Louisville's a, a an easy win for them. But I, I see, uh, I see Kentucky going nine and three this year.
1: I think Malik Cunningham is a better
0: college quarterback
1: than Will Levis.
0: Um, I don't know. It's I mean, it's possible because in 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 college, the running aspect is is so valuable. He has
1: Heisman potential, like Malik Cunningham. Like
0: I'm just, I'm high on the Cardinals. I talked about
1: this. Tion Evans is now in the building. My dude, baby Kamara is in the backfield (laughs) with, with him this year. Louisville, I'm pretty high on. Like I think that's going to be a game this fall. And I mean, I feel a lot better if it was at Louisville. But I look at the schedule. I see eight and four. Matt Green. I see them starting off. Green Louisville loss. I have them losing to Florida. I think they lose on the road to Florida. Mm. I think they beat old Miss I actually think like with our Georgia stuff where it's like you can't match up like that, but like I think they can match up against old Miss in the road and just punch him in the mouth and actually really control that one on the road so I'm gonna give them that one um and I think that defense will give Jackson Dart and company problems uh give me Kentucky there, so that's uh four and one uh they beat South Carolina five and one beat Mississippi state six and one lose at so we UT. both got'
0: them, yeah we're we're basically
1: we both got them seven and two to that point. And then where I've got the losses, like I think they're going to be sitting there eight and two going in the final two weeks. They lose to Georgia eight and three. And here's part of the reason too. You lose that Georgia game where everyone's hyping them up. Everyone's hyping up Kentucky as an SEC East dark horse. They got some love and preseason predictions as win the division, you lose that one. And then you got the rivalry game right after a fired up Louisville team that might have an unbelievably great offense this year who are chomping at the bit to take down a beaten Kentucky team that thought that they could win the East this year upset potential all over it add insult to uh, injury there give me the Cardinals to win on the road I think Kentucky finishes eight and four Mm. and also we should also mention there Kentucky lucked out that Chris Rodriguez is is missing the first four it looks like where it's only gonna really hurt them in that uh, Florida game that's but true. that's a big that, one like not that having him for that one. game is bad
0: no that's a that's a great call that 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 could be where they lose their first one um because of that um it, hopefully i would like to see him get to get to the georgia game with one loss and that game actually uh means something kind of like how 2018 uh did but i Can don't I give you think a kentucky gonna, stat yeah hit me
1: kentucky had the best Touchdown percentage in the red zone in the SEC last year at seventy two percent. Great red zone team. That's a quality stat right there. It's interesting. Something to keep in mind where it's like when they get in the red zone, Kentucky finishes the drill with their their run game, and they just know what they're doing. Come red zone, there is nothing more frustrating than a team just not knowing what to do once they get in the red zone. The most frustrating thing about Tennessee football last year was third and one. Like they had no idea what to do at third and one packages. Like that was just like, what do we? Are we playing football still? What do we do at third and one? Are are we still going deep? No. Uh, What are we doing? Uh, Tempo on third. Like third and one was a nightmare uh, last year. I got another stat
0: for you. Kentucky has five nine win regular seasons in program history, and two of the last four. Two of those came in the last four seasons. Yeah. So. Give me another nine-win regular season for the Cats.
1: A lot of disagreements Almost all those so are in far. the last 30, right? Like Tim Couch probably had one, and Andre Woodson was another one?
0: I don't even think – no. Actually, I was surprised Woodson was not one of them. Hmm. They ended up going, I think, like – Bear Bryant had to have that one. Year. Yeah, Bear Bryant definitely had one. I think they had like a one-loss season back in the day. Mm. Um, that's probably Bear Bryant. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so another disagreement there. And then we got Missouri at five-and-a-half. And I um I was searching <laughs> searching bad for five for six wins on this schedule, and I could not find it. They are the team that they might as well join the ACC over here. If they're mm-hmm. doing they're doing ACC things over here. Go back to the Big Twelve. Opening the season at Middle Tennessee State. What are you doing? You're in the SEC. Wait, Middle are Tennessee they? State. See, comes hold on. I to see you. LA Tech here. You're seeing for Missouri? Yeah. Did I pull up? Let me... <laughs> you may have pulled up an old schedule well, Now, Now I'm feeling like a real idiot. Let me pull up Missouri's
1: schedule here. I'm seeing LA Tech here and then at Kansas State in week two.
0: Um, hey, if you say so. I saw uh, Middle Tennessee State. I don't know how that uh, that messed up. Now I look like an idiot. I'm I my whole point is just mute at this point. Yeah, Louisiana Tech. I don't know why it says Middle Tennessee State. Garbage garbage schedule grid I got here.
1: Um, Sonny Cumby, first uh, game as the Louisiana Tech head football coach with the, uh, what are they, Bulldogs? Um, they are. They just, nothing Bulldogs, though. Like, it's a very deceiving Bulldogs. You never, uh, I don't know. You just don't think about LA Tech and the Bulldogs. They always feel like something else. But they go to Kansas State on the road. Uh, ACU, uh, Abilene Christian, I believe, uh, at home, week three at Auburn, Georgia at home, at Florida, at South Carolina, Kentucky at home, at Tennessee, and you end with freaking Arkansas, dude. I'm with you, man. Like I'm counting, one, two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think this feels like four about, and eight to me. I
0: was about to say I thought you were counting wins. I was like, where are no. you going? Yeah, four and eight was exactly what I saw. I don't see them winning at Kansas State. I see them getting those three, uh, those other three uh, at a conference games, and then Vanderbilt, and that's that's all I see them winning. So four and eight, we got an agreement there going under on the Tigers of Missouri brady cook zero, under
1: center some people call him connor um, basilak out the building i will say too tyler batty uh Beatty was a fantastic running back for several years in columbia he's out the door he was the number one rusher in the sec last year at 133 yards per game and yeah he's he just a
0: baller now they Not got a luther burden in there five-star wide receiver we'll see i'm sure
1: brady uh, hook uh, he's loving brady cook being uh his uh quarterback in the
0: yes he year. clowned georgia for a tight end leading him in receiving so that's why he didn't want to come to georgia so you know is that true yeah he did and he you know who led missouri in receiving last year a running back so you, yeah. you know so you know maybe it'll be different with with him on the roster i have my um, doubts So, and then keeping it moving, we got the Gamecocks of South Carolina, Mm. six and a half. Here's the over under. And I feel like I like South Carolina this year. But this schedule, schedule is not easy. So, assuming my schedule is correct, I (laughs) turned off this grid from some SEC website. Uh, It's a quality grid here, but until I got one of them wrong. So, Georgia State, they got to open it up. Um, and then at Arkansas, Georgia, I think both of those are losses. Charlotte and South Carolina State starting three and two. But at Kentucky, A&M, they've never beaten uh, since joining the SEC. I don't think they're going to do it this year. Missouri, Vanderbilt, I think at Florida I have as a win. But even that is like, that's not necessarily a gimme. And then ending the season with, 10, uh, with Tennessee and at Clemson, It's hard to see more than six wins on this schedule. Like, like at Kentucky and I don't know, Tennessee, like Tennessee of those losses I just gave Tennessee is probably the best one they have a shot at just because it's at, at South Carolina. But Mm. I don't know. I think seven is the absolute best I could see South Carolina this year, but I don't know. They seem more like a six win team and they seem like they could be a good six win team, but it's a tough schedule. I'm going under. I think it's six and six at the best case scenario. I think best case scenario is Mm. they make it
1: to six and six. Um, I'm going to say six and six um, as my pick, but they're a huge wild card. I also keep that Georgia state one in the opener circled. Sean Elliott, a long time Steve Spurrier guy. I've been with them forever. Uh, they have a strong run game, Georgia state. They love spoiling early seasons on the road in the sec. And I don't see if you recall Georgia state at Tennessee a couple of years back. Um, Oh, I remember the (laughs) thirst. I don't know. That's something to monitor, man. They might overlook them just looking at Colorado or uh, Arkansas on the road the next week. And, uh, uh, South Carolina on the road the week after that. They get Charlotte. Will Healy's team? I'm not certain they sweep those. I think they're on upset alert for one of those home ones. Uh,
0: no, they're winning all the cupcake games. We I mean, say that be, about everybody. This, this That's is not be how it a works. good South Carolina team this year, though. I we say that. Just... Hold on. So we say that. This is like one of
1: those things that people are just saying. The same OC. We have the same one. I understand it's not Zeb Nolan under center anymore, and it's Spencer Rattler. That's a huge they,
0: upgrade right there. We think. Zeb Nolan. We're not just talking about going from just a D one starter to Spencer Rattler. Like Zeb Nolan, this guy was not a D one quarterback. Like
1: the Gamecocks were fifty fourth in offensive S and P plus uh, going into this year. But like, you I gotta just, think it's gonna be a huge. No, no, no. That's what they have going into this year. That's what Bill Connelly has going oh. into this year with this group. With Marcus Satterfield is still the OC. I don't see it. This offense I still think is going to suck. I don't think there's anything interesting about this team. I think people are completely overblown. I don't think the Spencer Rattler stuff works. Just spare me the South Carolina stuff. I'm like, I would not be surprised if they don't go bowling. Like they are the most off season team I've seen. Like just every week Shane Beamer's going viral for something else. Look, I like Shane Beamer. Cool dude. Do Love to have him on the know? pod. I mean, I, I, think love that you, I think
0: you hate Shane Beamer.
1: No, I just, I hate <laughs> the award that he shared with Josh Heupel when Josh Heupel and I was in the building and they had stepped on their necks uh, and were up 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter and just did not belong on the same field as the Tennessee Volunteers. But that is neither here nor there. I just, I don't see it. I, I just, I don't think South Carolina's, they're going to make an OC change. I almost wish,
0: what if we said this at five and a half?
1: You going under five go over and a half? No, we're doing what it is. No, you're not doing that. We're, we got to do what it is. Okay,
0: uh, I'm trying to make things interesting here I know. because I feel like I'm higher on South Carolina than you, but we both are going under on the six and a half. Hey, but. Vegas does what Vegas does. Um, and then we got the Tennessee Volunteers here, and they are eight and a half. Is their over under and um? I think this team's going to start 4 and 0. I think at Pittsburgh, we might be sleeping on that one a little bit, but I just feel like they're going to get that one done. And then Florida, this is the year they beat Florida. I want I want them to be 5 and 0. I desperately want Tennessee to be 5 and 0. College Game Day to come in Knoxville for that that date, October 15th, third Saturday in October with Alabama, but I just can't see them getting out of Death Valley with a win. So that's just that's a tall task. So I got LSU but they're beating them for their first loss, uh, and then I'm losing to Alabama, and then I got them losing to Georgia, but I have Tennessee beating everybody else. So I think I think they're going to go 9 and 3 this year. I think this is going to be a good team, but you're just going to play two of the top 4 teams in college football this year and that, and that's that's tough to do year in year out it's hard there's
1: a path where they're three and three um after the alabama game and fans are getting a little restless where there's all this optimism and it's like well i mean those three losses included maybe you could lose at pit at lsu and bam at home and those are all respectable losses in 2022 like that would not be the end of the world Skies falling like this is a sneaky tough schedule for tennessee this year like this is a tougher schedule than a year ago um i there's some real landmines here like At Georgia, at South Carolina, um, at Pitt, at LSU, like those are four real rough tough games, and you get Bama every year. Like Bama's just on the schedule, or that's just a loss. And I just I'm concerned. Like, we're gonna know if they're a 10 and two team or a seven and five, six and six team after September. At Pitt is just the way Tennessee fans talk about this one, I just think is completely misguided. Where Pitt's a really good football team. And they're going in. There's a reason they're going in ranked in what 16 in the AP poll, have a great defensive line. Keaton Slovis and company, like this is not Mark Whipple's offense because they were scoring too much for Pat Narduzzi <laughs> last year. So the offense won't be as scary for Tennessee. But like, yeah, Tennessee should beat him. But like, would I be surprised if Tennessee dropped one to Pitt or Florida? No. I will say the Smoky Grays coming back for the Florida game is a good look, and that's a good vibe right there so you want that because uh, that was the last time tennessee beat florida was with the smoky gray so you got to do what you got to do uh to shake uh shake the bad juju out of there but
0: and they're just a great alternate uniform everybody's mm. got the black jersey they can rock like whatever well, I've heard the black jerseys are not going away by the way they need to they don't need the black
1: although if they rock the black helmets they would No, here's them. where and someone made this point i agree with this if they did this every year i think this is okay they play kentucky on october 29th at home if the black and orange was the Halloween uniform they just wore at the end of October every year, like the the Happy Halloween black and orange, I think that'd be good. The dark. That's what Georgia
0: and Florida fans have said for years to rock mm. black versus orange for for Halloween, like because uh, it's always it's always right around there the Georgia Florida yeah. game. But um, yeah, you could do that. I I don't. I'm curious to see what they're doing. This is a smoky gray uh, series. They're not going to be the same ones every year, but yeah. Just rock those same ones. The, the Smoky Grays are a solid uh, solid alternate. Tennessee's got that gray thing going for them that not everyone else does. You could be like uh, Iowa State and just rock black and white uniforms, even though your colors are burgundy and gold. And you see Minnesota also Minnesota! recently b- nice. busting out some like black and white unis. I think they're like those a terrible. hint of like, dark red or burgundy or whatever They're terrible. Yeah, you're you're burgundy and gold. Rock your. Why do we even have colors? Why do we even have <laughs> team colors? If you're just gonna rock black and white uniforms, grinds my gears, sir. I said I couldn't promise that being the last uniform. I knew it wasn't gonna be conversation. But um, but yeah, it's it's interesting that in any scenario of a team that you're playing a home and home series with, to lose the first one at home. And count the second one on the road as an automatic win. Like it's mm-hmm. just in no scenario is that going to be an automatic win. Even though I am predicting Tennessee to beat Pitt, but I think they get off to four zero. I just if they're four zero, I think they end ten and two. Yeah, to get Florida early in the season like that, I I think uh, I, I I don't have much confidence in what Florida is going to be. Well, if so they I, get
1: four zero, I think there's a real path to five and zero Bama at home. Like if you're four and zero, the the vibes and this team must be clicking on all cylinders. The secondary must be good. The pass rush must be a lot better. Like that's the whole thing. Is defense. Maybe like what,
0: those first four aren't necessarily the best teams. Like Pitt could be a whatever six and six, seven and five at ACC team, and Florida could be a team that misses a bowl game. So it doesn't necessarily mean, but it means a lot good. for
1: Tennessee and the psyche for Tennessee. Like that's if they fair, get through yeah. those two. And they just are like, all right, we made it through this September. I'm telling you in that building, they like there is get through September unscathed. Like that is the mission. Like no, no one's thinking about anything past Pitt in Florida. Um, like just get through those two. And if you're, you're four and going to Death Valley, you're feeling pretty good. Cause I think it will take some time. It might be Jaden Daniels. It might be Garrett Nussmeyer. It's going to be back got Florida. a
0: bye week going into Death Valley as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that, uh, that won't hurt. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm gonna go over though. I'm gonna say Tennessee goes ten and two this year. I'm gonna live 10 with
0: two. Oh, because you're picking them to beat Georgia. So I am, who, who and I are think the losses you're picking South I Carolina think... and Bama.
1: South Carolina and Bama are my losses.
0: Okay. Put it on the board over Vanderbilt 43rd
1: defense. Though that's the thing to watch is if Tennessee's defense moves up to like the 30s, I don't think they can make the 20s. But if they're in the 30s, the offense is going to be in the top three in the country, like top three and it's just really hard not to win 10 games or nine games with the top five offense in today's game that I just, they're going to boat race some people and the defense just has to be a little bit better. We can't be in the sixties, got to be in the forties, thirties, somewhere around there.
0: Difference between ordinary and extraordinary. That's right. Just a little <laughs> bit extra. Um, Vanderbilt, two and a half over under, I'm going over. I don't want to talk about Vanderbilt. We have to talk I about think Vanderbilt. they can, okay, uh, um, I think they can beat everyone at a conference other than Wake, which without um without your boy uh, for Wake Forest, I want to call him Riley Skinner, I swear. Sam like Hartman. Every time, right? It's the Wake Forest quarterback's been Riley mm-hmm. Skinner for the last decade. My All-time mind. passing leader, though, Riley Skinner. Oh, uh, there you go. So I think without Sam Hartman, I mean, who knows how bad Wake Forest could be. But I think um, they're still going to be better than Vanderbilt, but – I think outside of that, they can beat Hawaii, Elon, and Northern Illinois. So I'm going to take Vanderbilt with the over. Get them the 3-9. Thomas Hammock, though, has got
1: a good thing going at Northern Illinois. They're a good football team. I wouldn't say that that's a guaranteed win. For- oh,
0: it's not a guaranteed win by any means for Vanderbilt. But I'm going to pick them with the over. It's year two, sir. You know how I like uh, year two. Barton Simmons is really general managing that team to the top. <laughs> I, for just I mean, to God,
1: God bless him um i'm gonna go under because it's vanderbilt i'm gonna say two and ten for for the doors i also have a stat for you with the doors Hit they me. lost their best pass rusher by the way for the season uh this past week so that's not great um acl um vandy scored a total of 21 touchdowns a season ago matt green 21 the whole season how not many bad. would you guess in comparison the georgia bulldogs scored last year
0: oh man i i would guess georgia scored probably what like 50 73
1: touchdowns for the georgia wow. Bulldogs last year 21 for the vanderbilt commodores that
0: is an insane disparity that is an insane disparity <laughs> that really is 21 is uh it's not good it's just horrific. So I just, we'll see. And a lot uh, of teams go. get that cupcake game where you can get a less solid six, seven touchdowns. Like Not Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. You are that game. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't get that game when you're schedule.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, Vanderbilt, hard times. Can't do it.
0: All right. Let's go to the, and then your SEC East champion? The Georgia Bulldogs. The Georgia Bulldogs for, that would be the fifth sec east title in the last six years Mm. for georgia if they can get it done and let's go to the sec west we got alabama 11 and a half is where we got the alabama crimson tide i'm going under on this oh wow um, i think alabama is going to be really good this year but i think what people kind of forget is is just how many close games they played last year like what was it five games that were decided by one score or less? Like, that's just that's kind of unheard of when it comes to or one score, one score games, not one score or less. But five games that were that close you had Arkansas, you had the Florida game, you had Auburn, like AM, like these weren't just really good teams that you were playing close games with. Like, these were all basically middle of the pack teams. So, other than Arkansas, like. So I think Alabama gets tripped up. It's hard to pick the exact one that they lose, but I'm leaning at October first at Arkansas. I think that's a tough game right there. I think Arkansas is going to be one of the best teams in the SEC this year. I think AM at home is solid. Like at Texas, obviously if Quinn Ewers is is a baller, you know, maybe that, that game is a little different, but Second game of your entire career going up against Alabama. Alabama's not going not to crush it. Texas. That is one where I would be. Like, they're going to crush Texas. I could see Texas giving them a game, but I'm, I just don't see Alabama losing there by any means. But So they're going to have an easy, most likely a 4-0 star. But I think Arkansas can get them. I think that's the most dangerous one. At Tennessee, also the third Saturday of October we've talked about. Mississippi State is a dangerous team. Would they get them at home? But even last year like LSU was like a 20 to 14 game like with a a bad LSU team. So it's hard for me to pick Alabama. Like do we do we know Alabama's just going to be just significantly better than they were a year ago? Yes. Like I just don't see that necessarily. like how much better does Bryce Young get? I mean the guys have Heisman winner. Well, here's the he's, thing, it's he's, interesting he's superstar. to say that. So I
1: don't think it's a Bryce thing. It's not a Bryce thing. They were 75th in rushing offense last year. If you watch those games, like the injuries with their run game and the loss of Najee Harris, they did not have a consistent run game. Bryce Young had to do a bunch for this Alabama team last year.
0: Yeah, it was the the fewest yards per carry they've averaged under Nick Saban last year. That was their weakness.
1: People talk about the defense. The defense, I think, was 18th in scoring defense in the country. Like The defense was not a problem.
0: Yeah, the defense did not get enough credit. People overblue just the
1: problems there. It was like, no, the defense is fine. Like, uh, the defense is fine in Alabama. It was the run game. That was the issue with Alabama last year. It was so weird to see that after just so many just consistent years. And like you said, with their lowest yards per carry ever, that's why I just think Jameer Gibbs is so critical to the Alabama bounce back. It's just Bryce will be just as good. They'll figure it out out wide. I'm not worried about that. They have really talented tight ends. The offensive line, I think, is a a shaky thing. We'll see on that front. Um, I think it was kind of shaky last year, and Bryce got hit a lot. And I wonder if it's a little bit of an issue. Maybe that's part of the reason their running game wasn't as great as it was. Because I think they moved on. They changed uh, offensive line coaches. I think they brought in Kentucky's offensive line coach. And what's his name? Doug Marone, former NFL head coach, who was their offensive line coach this past year. He was not a good fit and quietly is no longer the O.L. coach. So I think Bama with Jameer Gibbs, new O.L. line coach, Dallas Turner and Will Anderson on the edge. I just I think they're this is going to be. Very similar to the the Mac Jones team two years ago, and I think Bama goes undefeated. And I don't think oh, Bama loses a football game this Jones, year. Mac Jones, that's one of the greatest college football teams of all time. I think this team could be that again. I I, I mean, Jameer Gibbs is my Heisman pick. I think Jameer Gibbs winning the Heisman.
0: Wow. See, I just I just don't see that. I think this offensive line. I don't see them being significantly improved from last year. Like I think this could also be a question mark again this season. And also, like I kind of alluded to earlier, like Jamison Williams was elite of elite. Like that's just a true game breaker. Like Tyler Harrell, Harrell if I'm pronouncing that name wrong, from Louisville. Mm-hmm. Like this guy was, was a big play guy at Louisville last year, but he had 18 catches. He had 18 catches for over 500 yards, averaging almost 30 yards a catch. But he had 18 catches a year ago. Like Jermaine Burton – was a good really good receiver for Georgia like this guy is not a star like I don't see either of these guys being the first round talent that Alabama's just consistently had at wide receiver and I think it's telling that they had to go to the portal for two guys this for essentially both of their starting receivers this year like Ja'Cory Brooks is a five-star receiver coming out of high school He, he obviously made that big catch in the Auburn game but like is that a guy that Saban is worried about taking the next step? Like it, it, it just seems interesting how much they've needed to go to the portal. And I mean, you, you kind of saw like what Alabama's offense was after those top two receivers went down a year ago, like Jermaine Burton, like I'm not just trashing him because he left Georgia or anything. Like I think Jermaine Burton, as he he battled some injuries last year to, to in the off season and kind of starting the season, but there was times where Ladd McConkey was just getting snaps ahead of Jermaine Burton, like at his position. Like, so I, don't, I just don't see them having this elite receiving core that we're just we're we're used to of this Alabama ever since, you know, Amari Cooper and on. Right. Like just every receiver they've had has been a first round pick, it seems like. So I I just don't think this Alabama offense seems like they're going to be better than they were a year ago. And the defense is good. I I don't know if it's, you know, the best in the SEC. It could be. But I I think with all of that Georgia lost defensively, like Georgia still has the potential to have a better defense than Alabama. But I, I just don't see this offense being as explosive as they were a year ago because Jamison Williams is just a lot to lose. Like, I just don't think they replaced him with another elite talent like they've done over the last like five, six, seven years. We shall see. It's shall hard to pick see, the exact loss for sure. Like Arkansas, I'm not saying Arkansas is a better team than Alabama, but with how, with the fact that they did lose a game last year and played so many close games, I don't know. I just, I don't necessarily see this team going undefeated. I think their schedule is tougher in the SEC West than, say, Georgia in the East. Um, but you're going over, I'm going under. Um, Arkansas I had to check this one a couple times. Mm. Over under it's seven and a half.
1: So this is an easy one.
0: Hold on, hold on. I think I I think I saw someone. Yeah, seven and a half. That's what we got with Arkansas. I'm easily going over on Arkansas. Mm. I think this team could potentially go ten and two this year. I think they're at absolute worst. This is an eight and four team. Like like Cincinnati just had like what ten guys drafted. Cincinnati is not ready to reload. Like that's the best. They haven't even named a quarterback yet. That might be the best Cincinnati team we ever see. So while that is a big game um, for both teams, I think I think they take care of Cincinnati, South Carolina, Missouri State to open the year. The big three game stretch is right there at the end of September and October for them. At AM or AM, this is a in Jerry World, I believe. Um, Alabama at home and at Mississippi State. I think there's a chance they could lose two of those three games and they might actually be Alabama. Like, I don't know. Like there's just, there's some weird things that are going to happen. A and M and Mississippi state are just real dangerous games. And obviously Alabama is the juggernaut. So, but after that, that stretch, like they could, they could lose all three of those games, honestly, and, and still end up nine and three. They go at BYU at Auburn, Liberty at home, LSU, Ole Miss, and then at Missouri to end the season. Um, yeah, I think this team's at worst eight and four, and I could see him going 10 and two this year. KJ Jefferson's
1: like the most slept on just quarterback in this conference. Where I look, I love Hindenhooker, Hooker, obviously, but like if you told me KJ Jefferson was the number two quarterback in this conference, wouldn't really have a problem with it. I mean, the continuity on both sides of the ball is incredibly important there. I like losing Traylon Burks will hurt a little bit, but this team ran the ball extremely well. I think they were actually number one as a team in rushing offense in the SEC this past year. Uh, with Kendall Browse and company. They know their identity. They know how to play. The defense is going to be great. Barry Odom's just been a godsend coach in that defense. And he just seems more equipped to be a DC than a head coach in this league. I I just see nine and three to me, nine and three, 10 and two at the absolute most. But this is an easy over for me. I think the Hogs are in really good shape right now. And they cleaned up in the portal, too.
0: Yeah, that's why I had a double take. I was thinking eight and a half would be the line on on uh, Arkansas. I think the Razorbacks are going to be damn good this year. So I agree. Both, both going over there. And then we got the Auburn Tigers at six and a half. This is tough. This was really tough for me. So you can go first on Auburn. Definitely,
1: like you said. Probably the best option of the group I also have written like they're kind of a chaos team and they're in the blue chip ratio this is important to remember so it's like when people freak out Brian Harson didn't just forget how to coach the stuff of Brian Harson is more of like is he a culture fit is it like the off the field stuff is he gonna do the Bo Jackson golf tournament is he gonna ingratiate himself with the Auburn community and the the powers that be the coaching acumen has not gone anywhere he won a bunch of games at Boise State he's a really good football coach He now has the full Boise staff, Derek Mason, Mike Bobo, out the building, Um, and this is just full Boise down there. Do I think this is sustainable? No. This is Auburn. This is not sustainable. The recruiting's not there. They're behind in a lot of ways. Like, this is not sustainable. For right now, though, yes, I do. Mercer at home, San Jose State at home, I think they'll beat Penn State at home, Mizzou at home. They're 4-0, I think, for that CBS afternoon game against uh, LSU on October 1st. I think they beat LSU, too. They're at 5-0 and going as the Georgia game, which is just... That could be a chef's kiss type, type thing uh, with those two. That That's what you want. Georgia and Auburn both being undefeated at that point would be a lot of fun. I think Auburn, you look at the second half, though, is when things fall off a cliff. I think Auburn fans are going to be feeling good. Auburn's back. We're feeling great. Then you get your ass kicked by Georgia. Um, I think that's coming. So you go to go to Georgia. I think they lose two, three touchdowns. Go to Ole Miss. I think they lose at Ole Miss. They get Arkansas at home. Think they lose to Arkansas at home. They go to Mississippi State. I think they lose to Mississippi State. They get Texas A&M at home. I think they lose to A&M at home they get western kentucky at home so the bleeding stops just the oh my god stop they're already dead that that meme that that stops and then they go to alabama there to finish so i think it's going to be a tale of two halves for this team i think they're going to be all the best vibes in the world and i think harson is going to finish with like this, the fans are like, oh, my God, this was horrific. Just the slate of losses on the second half of this calendar is just brutal. I don't think I've seen a worse second-half calendar for any SEC team than Auburn where just brutal, brutal. Matt it's Curry. funny
0: because I actually have one that's worse, but you almost predicted the schedule the exact same as I did. Mm. Um, I have them starting 5-0 and as well because, I mean – I, we 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 always talk about the year two head coach, right? It's almost like we're we're excluding Brian Harson from that club because we think he's going to get fired. Like he almost got mm. fired after year one. There's a chance in year two, like they they we do see some improvements out of this team. Like they lost a really close game at Penn State last year. There's definitely reason for optimism to think you could win that game this year at home. I think Auburn has you know, maybe the best home field advantage in the entire country. Like that place gets absolutely rocking for big mm. games. I agree that I, I have them starting five and oh. I personally have them losing the next four in a row, but I feel like they're going to, they're going to win one of those next five games. Hmm. I, I think they're going to get a, uh, get a and like, but I think it could be Arkansas. Like it could even be Ole Miss. Like I think they're going to get one of those games. Just because I just couldn't have them losing all of them, going from five and zero to five and five. So I actually I was almost shocked when I did this. I have them going seven and five. Like mm. I, I thought I was going to pick Auburn to finish last in the SEC West before I made my predictions. But after uh, just stacking up, going game by game, I I think they get to seven wins, and I think if they get to seven wins, Harson has to keep his job. Like this is. This is a, a a great performance to like seven games, like seven wins is going to require beating like a Penn state an LSU, maybe an Arkansas or an, or an Ole Miss or, or an A&M or something. Like it's going to take a lot of, a lot of good wins to get you to seven. So if they get to seven wins, I can't possibly see them firing Harson but at six and six, I could see it. You might just not have many like marquee wins at that point.
1: All right, give so me one. We
0: disagree. Another disagreement here. LSU Tigers, another six and a half here. That's I think the they're the toughest team in the entire SEC to predict. Personally, like I do, have them starting off at at two and zero. I have them losing the Mississippi State week three, um, then winning New Mexico, losing at Auburn, and beating Tennessee. So that's starting three and two right there. The rest of the way, it's just they're one of these teams. I felt like I think I wrote it down here. I think I had like I just go through and just give the automatic wins and automatic losses right out of the gate. Mm. I think I had them at like three and three for like I just had like half of this schedule is just toss-up games. Like they're just they're one of the most impossible teams to predict. I feel like it's gonna be Jaden Daniels that comes out, um, comes out of this with the start. Um, it's funny because he feels like every quarterback that Brian Kelly's had at Notre Dame. Honestly, mm. it's like the the running quarter, running, running athletic quarterback year. that's just kind of limited as a as a passer. Brandon Wimbush, Everett Golson, exactly. They just Ian Books probably the best one of that group. Yeah. But um, yeah, they just seem like they kind of have the same guy. And, and like James they're Damon's solid. Kinda, they're like the
1: all solid yeah. four star who you know you can win. A lot of games move on their feet, but just it's not all there to win a playoff game or beat yeah, the big dogs.
0: Exactly. So I, I, I see them going six and six personally. I don't I I uh I want to go under on LSU. I got seven and five for them in year one. It's agreement.
1: I have seven and five. And I think it it's a tough like if you were to tell me LSU goes eight and four, nine and three this year, wouldn't be surprised you Told me they go five and seven, I also wouldn't be surprised. Like Florida State in the opener, I mean, it's in New Orleans, so that's nice, but I mean, Florida State, there's some continuity there. Um, I don't think that's a slam dunk for uh LSU's first game and Brian Kelly. Like that's Florida State wants that. They're gonna be coming into that uh to the Superdome hungry. Like I I'm not penciling that one in uh as a guaranteed. They lost their last time game to Mississippi State and Mike Leach at home. They got blown out. The KJ Costello coming out part. KJ Costello Heisman. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just, a lot of big games. A lot of big games. I mean, I just don't like the road schedule. That's what I struggle with at Auburn, at Florida, at Arkansas, at AM. And then uh, it doesn't really matter getting Bam at home. So, I don't know this is a tough schedule for year one for Brian Kelly. I think he's going to figure it out and he'll be fine, but I think this year is going to be a tough one. And I don't think the quarterback play is going to be all that great. So give me seven and five for the tigers.
0: All right. And now we got the bulldogs in Mississippi state. This is another one that I feel like I had my perception on what I was going to do. Like how I felt about them before just actually tallying up the wins and losses. But um I think they're going to go off to a four and zero start. They don't really have much out mm. of conference. Memphis at Arizona at LSU is definitely not going to be easy. But and then Bowling Green, but I see them going on a little a little losing streak. That four game stretch right there, I think in mm. October is going to decide Mississippi State's season. So yeah, Texas A and M at home, Arkansas at home, at Kentucky and at Alabama. I think you got to win one of those games to. Mm. To get over the, the six and a half, and I don't know. Oh, hold on, actually, I'm looking at it wrong. No, I, have to, I actually have them going. I do have them getting seven wins. So I'm going zero and four right there, losing all four of those games in the month of October. But they can still get to seven wins, losing all four of those games. So I think there's reason for to to think that they can get to uh, to this. To seven and five, because honestly, they could win one of those games. They could win at Kentucky. They could A&M and Arkansas both at home, like Mississippi. And you got Georgia. I wasn't even considering like Mississippi State's going to get somebody at home. That's a lot of options to with A&M, Arkansas, Auburn and Georgia. Like they're going to beat one or two of those teams at home, I think. But I just don't know which one.
1: It's a brutal schedule. Like they return the most amount of production, 80% in the SEC. No team gets the most amount of talent back as uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They were also number two. Uh, I thought this was interesting. And in, uh, the SEC in uh, 10 plus yards per play or 10 plus yards uh, plays in the SEC last year or as a whole, but just SEC as a conference. Uh, Bam was number one. The offense worked. Will Rogers, year three, we talked about they've never won less than three uh, nine games with a three-year starter uh, with Mike Leach. That's something to monitor. Um, I just He hasn't won the Egg Bowl yet. He struggled winning the Apple Cup at uh, Wazoo. And this one's at... He, last year was the year he should have done it at home. This year, Mississippi State uh, should be better than Ole Miss, I think. But it's uh, on the road. Georgia at home, like, yeah, that's great, but that's a tough draw. Like you didn't want Georgia and the you didn't want Georgia and Kentucky in uh in the East this year. Those might be the two best East teams, uh, depending on what happens to Tennessee. Like you said, Auburn home. He also has a tradition of losing a stupid game. Like Mike Leach is going to drop one of Memphis, Arizona. I don't know which one he drops at Arizona or Memphis at home, but I think he drops one of them. And then at LSU, I'll give him a win. So I think they're three and one after uh September. Like you said, I think you have to get one in October and I probably lean Arkansas at home, but we'll see Uh, just with their diverse play styles. And I don't think Arkansas wants to get in a shootout with Mississippi State. So then you're looking at what four and four down the stretch there. I see three and one. So I think seven and five is where I'm at, but I think it's a really good seven and five. I think Mississippi State like might be the best big 12 team if you put them in the big 12 this year, I just think it's kind
0: of, it's just kind of unfortunate for them. I could see it for sure. Cause I felt like, you know, this is a team this is a good team. And I'm like, I'm looking at seven and five. Is that, that's it. That's all yeah. I have. But it is, it's a tough schedule. Um, and then old Miss, I was kind of surprised where this, uh, <clears throat> this win total was at seven and a half. Um, I'm just not as high on old miss as most people. Um, but going through this schedule, so, the, I, like we said with Auburn, just a tale of two of two halves. That's exactly what I have with Ole Miss. I mm. think there's a legitimate chance that Ole Miss starts seven and zero, and then seven and five. They so they start with Troy at UCA, which is, he says UCA. Who is that? Is that who? I don't even. It says UCA. I'm not even on this schedule. I'm looking at. I don't even know what UCAA. team that is. I see Troy here. Oh, that's Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas they have. Okay. And then at Georgia Tech, Tulsa, Kentucky at home, at Vanderbilt, and then Auburn at home. I think that team can start 7-0, and maybe 6-1. and Yeah. But then you got this gauntlet down the stretch at LSU, at AM, Alabama, at Arkansas, and then <sighs> Mississippi State at home. And like you said, I think... Even though they are at home this year, I think this is the year that that might be that worse than Auburn's. Yeah, I think this is year Mike Leach gets gets it done, wins the Egg Bowl. But yeah, I am starting seven and zero and finishing seven and five, not getting uh not getting the over.
1: I also had them at seven and five.
0: This uh, SEC West next year, man, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be wild.
1: Um, they were first in turnover margin last year, by the way. So need to monitor that tells me they were pretty lucky last year. And I seem to recall a Tennessee touchdown that was uh, mysteriously called back because uh, it, it was awkward and they didn't want to uh, the Tyler Barron strip sack touchdown where no whistle was blown, but the Ole Miss players were confused. So it do- doesn't actually count. Um, mm. But I just don't th- see that. I think that's a very jumbled stat right like i think that's just gonna flip like kentucky was dead last in turnover margin last year which i thought was interesting um but a lot of that will levis uh he turns the ball over will levis likes to turn the ball over a little bit um and their defense also doesn't really force turnovers it's just and uh, matt
0: corral uh, was good at not turning the ball over a year ago as well and we'll see if jackson darts like that
1: like i just they got pretty lucky in first 10 win season ever uh for the for the rebs but now give me Give me the under seven and five.
0: I'm right there with you. And then, um, last but not least, the Texas a m Aggies, which I guess we well, know you know exactly how I feel. Where you're going with the Aggies at nine and a half? I uh, I felt like I was uh, being bold and going over on the Aggies. I see them going um, ten and two. I mm. going by game. I haven't started five and O before losing at Alabama. And then I think they're just going to get upset somewhere else down the stretch, whether it's South Carolina. I personally have them, uh losing at Auburn, November 12th. Um, but yeah, so I think they're just, I don't see them going through this year, 11 and one, but I think they're a really good team. I could see them going 10 and two this year.
1: Here's the best thing for AM this year. They avoid Tennessee, Georgia, and Kentucky out of the East. Like, that's a really good year to miss those three in the SEC East if you're trying to, trying to run the gauntlet. Because the West is just brutal. And I think you it, it just compounds it when you're in a West team and you're like, all right, if you're Mississippi State and you're like, we might break through this year. Who do we have? Oh, we've got Kentucky and Georgia from the East. Great. <laughs> Great. Uh, this Because that, that's like the difference between, like, if you get just Florida and Mizzou. Instead, like that's a nine and three potential Mississippi State team, but it just it just sucks. Um, with Props the, to Mark
0: Stoops that we're even having this conversation. That Kentucky is the one of the bad draws from yes. the East.
1: Um, but I think their one loss is at Alabama. I don't think we beat Alabama back to years. And I think if I had to look and just say what I think is the biggest upset alert potential, you might disagree, but I think it's uh, I think it's at Auburn. I think that's the one that I would circle is like hmm late in the year Yeah,
0: that's where, that's where I had him. That's where I had it was in the second one was at Auburn.
1: I have him 11 and 1. I have the over. I think uh it's put up or shut up time in in College Station, man. There's just too many players. They have too many dudes. You got to do it.
0: Also, uh don't know what time this game is on your uh, on your wedding day, mm. but uh Sneaky game Miami at and
1: I think it's nine o'clock.
0: And that's a nine o'clock game.
1: Well, I mean, nine o'clock central time. I think it's like the eight or whatever. Uh, oh, okay. It's, I think it's the, I think that's the SEC nightcap game or whatever. So, ESPN. and
0: that, I mean, that could be a good one that we're not necessarily, not necessarily, uh, that's true. Spend enough time on because we, we saw how Alabama just beat the brakes off Miami a year ago, but. Samantha oh, that's man, enough
1: I gotta take a break Haynes King's driving late they got the <laughs> ball I've got A&M in the college football playoff give me a second
0: yeah that should go, go over well. great so um you might have to catch that one you know on Sunday yeah, yeah. a little uh old DVR action <laughs> but yeah. um yeah I think Miami Tyler Van Dyke, really high on him so that's not necessarily a guaranteed win. I think AM is just, they're, they're a tricky team to just predict to win all the games they should.
1: They have too much talent now in the quarterback room where one of these three did not work out. That's the other thing I landed on, where it's like one of Haynes King, uh, Connor Wegman, or however you pronounce it, the five-star kid freshman who's impressed uh, by all accounts all summer, Max Johnson. One of those three are going to be really good. I think it will Max play itself Johnson, out.
0: man. I mean, the guy's a good player. You, you love just, max johnson you it's transferred Mark to a, i'm saying you transferred to just a, a loaded quarterback room like mm. i think you're the kind of guy that would be starting at a lot of programs in the country and i, I wonder if you just made a bad decision to transfer to Texas samm like i don't I mean, know it sounds like he's
1: going to be under center week one
0: yeah i think so
1: well we'll see we'll see uh oh well, i think it's also because his brother did his brother commit to
0: to A&M? Yeah, he's going to be a true freshman, I'm pretty yeah, sure. So I think that's part of it too. Yeah, well, there big, you go. Big time four star tight end. Um, so you're going over on AM, and that's going to give you Alabama coming out of the West. And I'm assuming Alabama winning the SEC championship. That is correct. So let's see here. We got, um. we both got Alabama winning the SEC, both got Ohio State. Winning the Big Ten, both got Utah winning the Pac-12. But uh, Mm. I got NC State in the ACC, got Clemson, and I got Oklahoma in the Big 12, and you have Texas. So a couple disagreements in there, as well as who the runner-up is going to be as well. But uh, that's our preview, sir. There you go. Fun times. Oh also, I didn't uh, forget to shout out the, the t-shirt in honor of our SEC preview. This is a shout out to the 2011 Georgia Tennessee game. Rocky mm-hmm. stopped is what that says for those of you listening along. The Isaiah Crowell uh, year. I know he had a touchdown in that game. Uh, 2000 I think it was 24, 12, 20 to 12, something like that. I think and that was that it because was the of game. the
1: Crompton win in '09 that you were just reeling the blowout win by Tennessee the last time you were in Neelon that it was the just. The reason I got more. the T-shirt. Hmm? The reason I got the T-shirt. No, just because like it meant more that time the Rocky Top door, was like we, you got blown out last time where the branded Boykin 20, kick return touchdown was the one cool thing about that game for Georgia.
0: 2010. No, Georgia. No, I'm won saying 20,
1: 2009. It was the last time you were in Neyland, and you got blown out.
0: Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. true. That was uh, the day I started working at Publix, actually. I remember <laughs> I was doing my training, and people were like, you know, we can either take an hour break, or we can just go right through. And I'm just like, let's go right through. It's a Saturday. Let's, let's get done with this. And I remember listening to uh, Boykin's touchdown, uh, punt return touchdown on the radio, the only bright spot of that game. Lee I was Kiffin, at that game. And Kiffin, and uh, they put a whooping on the dogs, but um twenty eleven
1: a Jonathan Crompton.
0: This was a better experience for for dog fans. I think we had like the like the third and fifty seven or something in that game uh at Tennessee it was something terrible. I don't even know how it happened, but uh, it was several false starts. I don't even know if maybe there's a fumble involved, but um yeah. It was a bad time, a dark time for Georgia fans, but that was a bright, a bright spot within the dark times.
1: There you go, Matt Green. Always a pleasure. Thank you, as always, folks. If you enjoyed today's episode, guess what? Uh, this time, every single week here on the Chase Most Podcast, like and subscribe on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash Chase Podcast, and of course, give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If that is indeed, uh, you listen to today's program. We greatly appreciate it. Get in touch with the show, chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys. Matt Green, thank you as always, my friend, and I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.